What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the One Week Rental Podcast, starring your host, Ash and Stacks. This week, we watched the brand new film, Ghostbusters Afterlife, starring world's sexiest man alive, Paul Rudd. Fun fact, my wife has a hall pass for Paul Rudd, so there's that. Let's get right into it. everybody before we get started i wanted to issue a quick apology for last week's episode um if you like astrology we want you to know that you are a valued member of this community and we have learned the error of our ways um we need to be better uh and we're going to be better going forward so uh please uh please uh if you can forgive us this time uh we won't uh we won't make that mistake again all right stacks yeah. We watched Ghostbusters Afterlife this week. Yeah, we did. Um, but before we get into all of that uh, slimy ectoplasmic goodness, we should talk about uh, what we've been watching for the week. Uh, did you watch anything cool this week? Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Let's call this segment, uh, How Was Child's Play This Week? <laughs> how was the Child's Play TV show this week? Child's Play was awesome. Okay. Fun fact, uh, yeah? I am currently missing Child's Play right now because it comes on at 10 o'clock. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm glad um, to know that oh, wait, I, wait, wait. I'm a priority in your life. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Today's Monday. Never mind. Yeah. It, never mind. So we're still good. Okay, <laughs> we're good. Okay, we're good. We're good. All right. Um, but yeah, Child's Play is good. Please, yeah. for the love of God, go watch this show. Go watch it. I beg you. Is it um, really good or are you just trying? I, I'm probably just, just a I'm just a fanboy, or okay. maybe I have a paycheck from them. I don't know. One of the maybe, two. maybe you're getting that sweet, sweet Chucky money. Maybe. Um, other than Child's Play, um, I can't really say I watched anything. Um, well, okay, so I did watch this one cartoon called Final Space. Comes on Adult Swim. Okay. Um, I. It's a weird show. It's about this guy who gets sent to space prison and he has to live on this ship by himself um, for years throughout the duration of his sentence. And then shit happens and shit happens. It's kind of, I don't want to, it's, it's <laughs> like a space adventure thing, you know? It's, it's weird. It's, it's adult swim. So, is it the, live action? No, it's a cartoon. Okay. Okay. And gotcha. It, the animation is really pretty on this movie. Oh, that's what, interesting. That's that's what made me watch it because it looks very cartoony. It looks like a cartoony cartoon, right? Yeah. But it's shaded really weird, and it's and it's I don't know. It just looks really good. And hmm. I was flipping through channels, and I saw it on, and I was like, "Whoa, what is this?" And then, did you say it was a movie or it's a series? It's a TV show. Yeah, it's called Final okay. Space. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then what else did I watch? Um, I think that's it. I didn't. I didn't really watch anything crazy this week. Um, other than you know, basic, you know, just background TV stuff, you know. So yeah, I think I think I had a boring week as well as far as TV goes. Um, I think we recorded last week on Tuesday, and then uh, Wednesday I streamed, Thursday I streamed, and uh. 
over the weekend saturday yeah saturday was my family thanksgiving so i was there all day for that um i, I think probably friday i watched uh some youtube and then i played video games all day so i didn't watch anything that those days I, last week i had a lot to talk about with red no uh red notice and uh, about the witcher thing and and some stuff that all the stuff that i watched uh last week but i think the only thing new that i started this week was uh last night i started diving into that live action cowboy bebop uh show that came out on uh netflix um heard heard nothing but bad things so far so I yeah know. i haven't yeah seen it. i it's so close to the end. I, I actually like. I'm gonna give probably my full review for this uh, next week when I once I finish it. I think I'm like four or five episodes in. So far, it's very stylized, which I don't know that I always love the style, but it has style. There is a there is a style that they're going for. It doesn't feel like it has the budget. A lot of the sets, like they're supposed to be on like Mars, and I'm like, that just looks like Earth. I mean, it, it, the it never really feels like they're going to these places. Um, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't grab you in that way. I'm always like, yeah, they're just on Earth. They're at a church, whatever. Um, but there are some things to like about it. I really like the uh, the girl who plays um, Faye Valentine. I think that she's great. Um, they have Ein, and Ein is awesome because he's a corgi. Um, Jet and Spike are okay. I just think. Uh, I think his name is Jonathan Quo or Cho. I can't remember. Um, it's it's uh, Harold from Harold and Kumar. Um, yeah, that's the only thing I know him from. <laughs> he plays Spike Spiegel, and Spike Spiegel I think is like in his twenties in the in the anime. And uh, Jonathan Ko Cho Quo, I forget what it's, what it is, but uh, he's like almost fifty, I think, and that takes me right out of it. I'm like. You're old. Like, I, I could tell <laughs> that he's old. And so that's I, that took some getting over. Um, but they do some things cool. The, the really big problem I have with it is that they seem to just be doing a live-action retelling of the anime itself. And I'm like, I, why? I don't need that. Like, I, I prefer the style, and, and the anime stands alone. So I don't know why they did this, this live-action if they're not going to tell a new story or... I have to go back and watch the anime because it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I remember, like, I feel like this is beat for beat, the anime. So I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch that. That's why I say I'll probably have a more in-depth review next week because I'll have done that rewatch and uh, and I'll be able to get back to you on, on if it's anything at all new, but I don't think so. Yeah, so is this... So they just tell the story of the anime? They didn't, like, make something new? I didn't know that's what it was. I thought it was just these characters in an original story like i say it's been a while but the first two episodes felt like shot for shot remakes to me huh. at least the first episode did the first episode is like it's i mean and and so is like that's how cowboy bebop is is that it's a lot of like one-off stories and stuff it's not there is like a a through line but there's a lot of like not monster of the week, but like it's kind of their job of the week and stuff. And, and that stuff all feels like one for one. So I have to go back. Like I say, I watched the anime, but I also like looked at it. The Netflix show is 10 episodes. And I remember Cowboy Bebop being like 21 or episodes or something like that. So, um, I don't think that they could fit all of that in, uh, the kid, uh, oh, fuck. What's his name? Isn't it like uh, Ed? 
Ed, yeah, yeah, Ed, it is Ed. Uh, I, I was drawing a blank on it for a second. Ed is, like, notably missing. And, like, I, I don't think that's a spoiler because the, he's not, like, there was no cast photo for him or he's not in any, like, the promotional materials or anything like that. So th- that feels weird because I, he was one of the parts I liked about the anime a lot. I, I just thought that he, his character was fun. So it's a little bit weird that he's missing, but not not a huge deal. Like I say, I'm, I'm there for Faye and Ayn. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll, like I say, I'll give a more thorough uh, look at it next week, but... Yeah, uh, overall, pretty boring week for as far as watching things. However, it was very exciting to go to the theaters. I went to a local theater called The Lot. Um, that is a like luxury theater to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ordered a cocktail, uh, had a big thing of popcorn, sat in a recliner and watched this film, which I'm glad I did because it's a, a, got a runtime of two hours and four minutes. So uh, not yeah, a, sh- not a short like- movie. I was like, why is this movie taking so long to get where it needs to go? It's taking, it's, you know, it's taking so long and and piggybacking on a conversation we had last week, it takes a while to get going. Um, uh, Okay. By the way, we're in spoiler free review of Ghostbusters Afterlife now. Um, The, it takes a little while to get going. And also piggybacking on a conversation that we, we talked about last week um, about trailers and them lying to you in trailers. There's a lot of stuff in the trailers that wasn't in the movie. Um, so I was, I was kind of waiting and expecting certain things to happen and then they didn't. Um, but the two hours went by pretty quickly. There was a couple, couple times where I was like checking my watch, like how, how, uh, how much longer do we have to go? But all in all, uh, enjoyable movie through and through. Um, I, I actually like my first note on the spoiler free section of this is I love this movie. I actually think that. This movie captured me the way that Ghostbusters uh, captured, I think, probably the generation old, just above mine, like people who grew up in the 80s and watched Ghostbusters. I was I was watching this movie and I was like hype on Ghostbusters. This is the movie that actually made me like go like, oh, proton packs are cool. Like I want a proton pack like cosplay item like i want the prop and i want like it to make the sounds and stuff and to have the switch and like i just want to hang that on my wall so i actually got really into this one and i i had a lot of fun watching it um uh there's a lot of references in this film to the original one um it almost so to where it's like in every scene it feels like there's a reference and also it feels like a lot like i it it got tired it got tired a little bit um to where they were just doing dumb things like references to the original are are cool in my mind if they're like sentimental or like a big deal but they reference things in this movie that are like throw line throwaway lines from the first ghostbusters so that stuff i wasn't crazy about it, it did feel like it got to be a bit much at time um but overall really really like this movie um it was extremely funny at times, and I definitely cried at times in this. Um, I was choking back tears and trying not to screw up my makeup in the uh, in the theater. But um, yeah, out of, you know, for me, this movie's like a nine out of ten. I loved it, um, and I definitely recommend you go see it. What about you? Uh, for me, this movie was more like a. I want to say it was like a seven, six. Take it point, back. Take it back. Seven. 
6.7 out of 10 no 6.9 just because uh, at the beginning of the movie it just felt like it just felt like every movie (laughs) every movie like this nowadays it didn't feel like a ghostbusters movie which i guess i get because they're trying to make it for a new audience they're trying to introduce a new audience to um the ghostbusters movie but just seeing just recently seeing the last two movies this one it just kind of felt like oh okay so this is stranger things ghost this is ghostbusters stranger things or ghostbusters super eight you know and it just like i don't know it's just the the kid angle of it i didn't know that they were going to be that important of a thing um why well, you know you know has wolf i mean finn wolfhard in it and so you know he's gonna have a big chunk in it whatever but it also had paul red and i'm thinking okay so this is gonna be kind of a you know in a goofy you know like i don't know a typical ghostbusters movie but it just didn't feel like that to me um <clears throat> there are some parts like you said there are just some lines that are just not like i just rolled my eyes um just like specifically one part in the movie and the person that asks uh who are you gonna call and i was just like oh my god <laughs> you know i rolled my eyes so hard um that one did and... feel that one did feel a little bit on the nose I, I know what you're talking about and yeah we'll get to it in the plot but it, it that one felt like a little like there was stuff that was like that but yeah yeah we'll get to it in the in the plot but it, it it took me out of it for a second but i, I thought it was cheesy and like a nod but whatever <laughs> Yeah, it just felt like a 2000s movie instead of like a Ghostbusters movie. I do I, I do think that that's important to to tell the to tell the people listening is that if you are going into this movie and say you're listening to our spoiler-free review uh ahead of ahead of watching the film, definitely go into the film expecting less of Ghostbusters and more of The Goonies or Super 8 or Stranger Things. Like this is a movie for kids. I say kids, but I'm really thinking like teens, like young teens, like like young adults. And it's it's not about it's less about the Ghostbusters and like a Ghostbusters film. It's more about the kids discovering what's going on and uh like uh where the kids are the heroes and the only way i can really describe it is the goonies there's like a lot of adventure a lot of kids figuring stuff out it is um they they frequently know more than the adults what's going on and and stuff like that so i do think if you go in with that knowing that you'll you'll have a better time yeah and i just and i also think this movie was um pretty much it was just a the same story as like the first ghostbusters um just you know like it's kind of to me it's kind of like you have jurassic park and then you have jurassic world where it's essentially the same story just different if that makes sense um and this one is just that's how i felt i felt like this was just kind of retelling the same story so um it was good. It was a good movie. I liked it, but I don't think I'm ever going to watch it again <clears throat> just because really? I didn't. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to watch it again. I'm dying um, to watch it again. I, I if it, it, you know, we've been kind of spoiled. Like I, I went and saw Dune a couple weeks ago and then 
I was like, oh, there's a, little, a couple things I miss. Like, there, a lot of Dune is, like, basically people talking in low voices and stuff like that. So I went home and I immediately started watching it again on HBO Max. And I was really, really bummed out that I couldn't do that with this film. So I, I'm dying to watch it again. I think when this, when this movie comes out, um, I think this is a no-brainer buy it on 4K Blu-ray for me. Like, I liked it that much. And the the last film I did that with was Sonic. So there's a weird, like, <laughs> it's a weird eclectic group of films. And I think I did it with um, Into the Spider-Verse as well. Uh, like, there's a couple movies that I just, like, really like having the 4K Blu-rays of. And I think this is going to be one of those. Because this is, if I was going to throw uh, a Ghostbusters movie on in the background to just, like, watch while I'm working or something like that, it's this one for sure. Yeah, if it was for me, it would definitely be Ghostbusters too. Just well, like I said last week, I just love that movie, and so I don't know. This movie just wasn't hitting. Yeah. Me it. Hmm. All right. Well, yeah. I think that's a uh, that's about as much as we can say. Spoiler free for the film. Uh, would you recommend people go see it? I guess we should we yeah. should clarify too. Like, I recommend people watch this. I had fun watching it in the theaters. I don't think you can go wrong if you're interested in Ghostbusters by seeing it in theaters. That being said, I don't think that this is like a you have to see this in theaters kind of movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, <clears throat> it's it's a good movie to just to watch to say you watched it for mm-hmm. me. Um, just to say, hey, yeah, I watched all the you know all the Ghostbusters movies. You know, yeah. Um, but you but, can wait for a Netflix or something like that to have it. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. You're not missing much. <laughs> okay. I mean, to me, you're not missing much. You know? No, I think that I think you're right there. Like, I I love the movie. I just don't think that like going to a theater and seeing it added that much to the experience. You know, there's a lot of um. I saw Dune in theaters. I think Dune is a theater movie. Like, I I benefited by having it on the big screen and having the the you know good speakers and stuff like that so there are certainly movies that i will tell you like go see this on the biggest screen you can with the best sound system that you can i don't think that this is that type of movie yeah i I agree all right so with that let's get into the plot and the first note I have here is the the future the polar ice caps have melted, covering the earth with water. Those who survived have adapted to a new world, which is the start to Waterworld. And it's just because I didn't delete it from the document totally. <laughs> so let's delete that part. And we start in Somerville, Oklahoma. There's a mine that we see and a proton beam shoots in the air. Uh, we see a shadowy figure. We can't make out who it is, but I think we all know who it is pretty much instantaneously in this. Uh, he runs out to his car. Uh, it's a truck. He drives away until it's hit by a ghost, rolls off the road, and tumbles through a cornfield. He hops out of the car, runs through the cornfield to a creepy, abandoned-looking farmhouse. Um, he flicks some switches and holds up a ghost trap. Uh he waits for something to emerge from the cornfield and we see footprints in the dirt coming towards him. We can't see the figure, but we just see the footprints in the dirt, which was very like Death Stranding to me. I don't know if you played the Death Stranding game, but that's what I thought of. Um, and it was cool. And uh, he uh, hits the the pedal that would usually open up the ghost trap. And we see there's some like big uh, electrical like 
I don't know what to call these capacitors, something like that. I'm not a, an electrical engineer. Big electrical thingies uh, near the farmhouse. We see them sparking and then the lights go out. It's clear that whatever he's trying isn't working. So he runs inside. He hides the ghost trap in the floor, moves a chair over it, sits down with a PKE meter. And like I say, it's clear at this point that this is Egon Spangler. Uh, we know. And um, he pulls out the PKE meter, which starts to count up. And then he presses a red button on it. And this is a new feature for the PKE meter because it turns into like a stun gun. Um, we see a fog ghost come up behind him. The fog ghost kind of disappears. And out of the chair uh, sprout arms that grab him. And he dies. We It's implied that he dies here. Um, this is very... Uh, this is very uh, analogous to um, and very similar to the way that uh, uh, Dana Barrett was originally captured um, in the first film when she gets grabbed by the, the terror dogs and possessed. Um, this is kind of the same. It looks like the same chair even. Um, he gets grabbed and he's he's dead, which immediately sets the stakes for this film because previously we haven't seen ghosts kill people. Is this the first? After watching Ghostbusters 1 and 2, in the first one, we established that you can get slimed in two. Nobody dies, right? Um, yeah, nobody dies. <clears throat> um, we do have that the slime can, what well, a specific slime in two has an effect on your body when you touch it. So yeah. I think, but, yeah. But the ghosts, the, first one. the ghosts don't generally like straight up murder people. Yeah. And in this, in this film, I think I can think of uh, two. I thought there was a third. I'm trying to think. Two people get straight up killed. Um, yeah. Off the top of my head. <laughs> one was a very good kill. Was one we'll one was great. I can't wait to get there. Um, so yeah, it, it we've immediately set that the ghost was set up that the ghosts not fucking around in 2021. Okay. And uh, which makes them way more scary, but you're going to find out that nobody in this fucking film is scared of ghosts, <laughs> which I thought was the funniest part of like the, I, I was constantly laughing at how like people are just like, this is cool. I'm fine with this. Um, OK, so um, when he gets grabbed, he drops the PKE meter. It slides under the chair and we cut away from that scene. And it's implied that Egon is dead. Um, we cut over to. Uh, a small house where our um, okay now names will get confusing in this so the actress that plays Callie is Carrie Coon I'm just gonna call her Carrie and Paul Rudd's character is named Goober Gary Gruberson I'm just gonna call him Paul Rudd yeah. <laughs> uh, Finn Wolfhard's character is named Trevor uh, McKenna Grace's character is named Phoebe we'll stick to Trevor and Phoebe for them. But uh, but Carrie and, and Paul Rudd is going to be way easier for us to, to keep it all in line. Um, Carrie's cutting Trevor's hair. Uh, he's complaining, and then uh, she, she gets distracted by something, and she cuts his ear. Um, the lights flicker, and we find out that Phoebe is... I, can't, I couldn't tell what she said. She was either fixing their electricity or stealing electricity from the neighbor. I couldn't, couldn't tell what's going on. Yeah, I didn't get that either. <laughs> The stealing electricity from the neighbor only makes sense because it's clear that uh, this is a small place. Um, Carrie, <laughs> Carrie Coon uh, not winning any Mother of the Year awards. <laughs> She's uh, having trouble making ends meet. Um, they're behind on their rent. The landlord, is, landlord swings by. Uh, 
you know, tells her that uh, she's behind on her rent, I think. She says, uh, well, she's sorry. Her dad died this week. He starts to feel like, sorry. She's like, no, it's cool. He's a deadbeat. I don't care. Um, And uh, this is the first time of many that we will get it pounded into us that uh, she doesn't give a shit about her dad. They're not on good terms. Uh, But... He he, kind of the landlord like apologized. They have a back and forth, and he evicts them anyways. Um, puts the eviction notice on their door. Uh, so with that, they're heading to Oklahoma to. Uh, it's supposed to be for a couple weeks, but they find out that they're going to be staying for longer uh, because they don't have a place to live, and now they have inherited a, a creepy farmhouse on a plot of land. So they're going to Oklahoma. They uh, this is where. I have a small gap, and maybe you can tell me what happened, because I was ordering food. This is when I was at my luxury theater, and they came to take my order, and I was telling them I wanted a large po- I wanted a large popcorn and a Kentucky mule. So um, I think when they're driving, the car breaks down, and I think Finn Wolfhard, like, fixes it or something. Like, they establish that he's got some sort of, like, mechanic skills. Yeah, I think I might have missed this part too. <laughs> I cuz I remember I remember they're driving and I feel like there was a lot of dialogue with them driving. I don't remember. I kind of but I didn't start like focusing in like after after the opening scene and everything with the landlord, after that yeah. kind of just that kind of the part's kind of black until they get to the diner so okay yeah okay it just kind of meshes together so i don't I know don't th- if that's i don't think it was anything too terribly important i think th- i think yeah. the car does break down they're driving i think from like the midwest to, to oklahoma so it's a long drive and i think he fixes the car they set up you, you know what i actually like like about this movie is that it quickly becomes about phoebe and phoebe is the best character by far and she she's an amazing character and mckenna grace does such a good job like portraying her um i'm so glad like when when it became clear that like finn wolfhard was just gonna go do his thing elsewhere and we weren't gonna like stick with him that much i was like great i don't care because i don't like i don't know i i didn't love his character and i don't love his acting all that much Having watched like three seasons of Stranger Things, I'm just kind of like, wow. okay, get ready uh, to have to make an apology video next next week. <laughs> oh, okay. The same way that our DMs were flooded with uh, astrology fans, you think the Finn Wolfhard fans are going to come out? Yeah, Finn Wolfhard right. is a freaking Wolfhard. Sorry, yeah, is a freaking uh, crowd favorite. Yeah, bringing on Finn diehards or whatever you call yourselves. Actually, if you want to take that name, I'll, you, you can have it, but I want royalties. Um, all right, so they cruise into town. We get some kind of establishing shots of the town. There's a diner called Spinners. Uh, whatever. They head to the uh, to the farmhouse, and uh, they... Uh, like, Finn Wolfhard's got a line where he's like, you didn't tell us it was a murder house, which I thought was actually kind of funny. Um this is where we get like the they walk into the house uh i think that uh, um doesn't she the mom ca- uh 
Carrie Coon's character just go like Phoebe break in <laughs> like they can't get in and then she just tells Phoebe to break in and I think Phoebe picks the lock and they get in um, and then we see a stack of books and this is a nod to the first movie when they're in the uh, the library and they see the the, the books and they're like oh symmetrical book stacking and I think Bill Murray's character goes yeah no human would stack books that way like this is the first of the nods for throwaway oh, lines um, so yeah there's a bunch of these just just wait um oh boy i can't hear you i hope you can't hear that there's a car alarm going on outside but yeah that's all good living in the city Woo! okay um there's an earthquake uh they all take cover under the table this is where we get the the line from the trailers where uh finn wolfhard goes remember that summer we all died under the kitchen table or something like that and uh it's funny this is funny but not as funny as it gets later like other characters are funny. <laughs> yeah, every time Finn Wolfhard was on screen, I was like, eh, okay, <laughs> go oh, away. Um, Janine Melnich shows up and tells them that she would pay the bills uh, for Egon. Like, she's kind of, um, Carrie's kind of uh, probing her about their relationship with her and her dad, or with her and Egon. And uh, she says, like, I used to work with him. Like, I'd pay the bills. And Carrie's like, oh, so there's money. And she's like, oh, no, there was no money. Um, it's It becomes very apparent. Like, she's like, but debt. There's a lot of debt. Like, um, so it's very clear that they're not they're not making out, you know, uh, after his death. That they're, they're, still, uh, they're still in dire straits. So um, did you have the same reaction that I did when Janine shows up? And I was like, oh, this is her mom. Like, I was very excited. I thought that she was going to, like, greet her and it was going to be her mom. And um, I desperately wanted there to be, like, some filling in the gaps between Ghostbusters 2 and this film and for them to have gotten together and and for her to be... I was excited to think that Janine was Carrie's mom and they were going to have a conversation about how um, Egon, you know... So this is where he was spending all his time after he, you know, he he threw himself into his work. Uh, throughout this film, they say Egon is like, um, like that he he got he really crazy. into this. Not even that he went crazy, because if they had said that, it would be good. All they said is that you know he was convinced that Gozer was going to come back. He he was obsessed about it, but they never say he was crazy. They never say he you know, pushed us away or anything like that. They just said that, like, yeah, he was convinced that Gozer was going to come back, so he went to this farm, and, and we all lost touch with him. Which, it's a really weird thing. Like, we'll get into, like, he had, like, all he had to do was pull out his iPhone and take a picture and send it to them, and they would have been like, oh, shit, you're right. There's a lot of, like, really easy things in this film that could have, like... Yeah. He could have proven that he, that there was something really going on. So. Yeah, I th I think um, I think that was very sloppily done. I I feel like it would have been a better if they would have broken up <clears throat> if the Ghostbusters would have broken up for a different reason than what they did, and they ended up hating each other. I think they just in this movie they just kind of like yeah he you know Egon he went a little too far and so. We'll go, uh, whatever, you know? And I think it would have would have been I think it would have been better if it would have been like uh, you know, like they had a fight or something like that, and then that was the reason. Because I feel like if if we just stop talking, you know, and if yeah. I were to come to you and be like, Hey, 
this is the thing, blah, 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 blah. You know, the rest of the Ghostbusters would be on board, right? Yeah. So, like, Egon's the very, like, rational one. Like, he, if he was, like, convinced that there was, like, going to be something else, and again, there's copious amounts of evidence that something else is going on, and he sets up measures to prevent Gozer from coming back that he could have shown them, and they would have been like, oh, shit, you're right. Like, it's just, it just felt like they needed to have this conflict so that they could, you know, like, put him out there all alone and, and so that the plot can occur. But yeah. it, it, it did feel sloppily done. This is the only thing about the film that, like, when you start to think about, like, oh, well, why didn't he do that? It becomes, like, very quickly apparent that, like, okay, this is a big plot hole. But... During the film, I wasn't worried about it at all. And even now, I'm just like, all right, that was sloppily done, but whatever. It's it's okay. I get that they needed to... But they should have, yeah, had a falling out or something like that. Um, it seems like every time... And this is probably a good question for right here, but I was going to bring it up later because there's another thing later on that happens. What is this movie a sequel to? Because... Um. Well, everything that I read says that it's a sequel to one and two, but they don't reference anything from two. And it makes way more sense as a sequel to one because they say that like, uh, like later on, Phoebe's talking to uh, Paul Rudd's character and Paul Rudd is basically saying like, oh, you guys don't know about this? Like the 80s in, in New York City was like The Walking Dead. And it's all he says there's references to Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and stuff like that, but they don't ever say, oh, and they piloted the fucking uh, Empire, or the um, Statue of Liberty down, like, through the streets of New York. Like, nothing from 2 is referenced. And it also is weird if, like, one, they become super popular, they save the day, and then in 2, we find out that it all went away because there were no ghosts after that. And then there's the painting thing and the slime and the whole events of two. We also get that montage in two when they're back. And then, you know, in this film, they say there's been no ghosts for the last 30 years. And it's very clear that, like, they've all gone their separate ways because the ghost busting business dried up. So, like, it makes more sense that two didn't happen in this universe. Yeah, I, th- I thought about that when I was watching it and I was like, when they were explain when Paul Rudd was explaining that, I was just like, "So that's the only thing that happened? Did, so did two not happen? Are they just totally erasing that or something like that?" And then, like later on in the movie, I, I start thinking about like maybe this, maybe these are two totally different incidents. One and two were two totally different instances that happened, and maybe the second sequel will be after you know be based on the second movie continuing that story but like like those would be different universes i see i don't think that that would make sense i think that'd be really confusing to audiences well yeah i'm saying like it's the same story except i mean same universe but the second sequel is talks it goes deeper into the second ghostbusters movie yeah, like I don't know, like, but that shit I, still I, that shit still would have occurred. I like I still think that it would have made sense in this movie if they were like, yeah, the '80s were like The Walking Dead in New York City, 
and they, there was a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and there was rivers of slime, but they don't like they don't mention anything from from two. There, I mean, there's a, there's there's one reference to to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in this one, but I think it's primarily to sell toys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because they're just being silly, um, but yeah, I, I think yeah, I don't know. I think I think that they were really just trying to make a sequel to one. Uh, it makes sense canonically because it's weird for them to be like, oh, we're on top of the world and we broke up, and we're on top of the world and we're breaking up again, and like it, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, I think because pe- people would remember them more. I don't know. It makes it actually makes more sense to me that like one is the only events. And that they did get sued into oblivion after the events of one. Like what they say in two, basically, is that, you know, they were, you know, given like a, a cease and desist on ghost busting. And then if that happened, like maybe you could see them fading into obscurity to where these kids don't know who they are. Um, and then this movie also has the same pitfall that two had, where it's like, People, there was like major things that happened, and like people still don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> I don't know; it's it's weird. Yeah, I that part I didn't get either. But then, like, I can kind of get it. Like, that was a small thing that happened. I mean, not a small; it was a big thing that happened in just New York twice. Yeah. So I can kind of see, and maybe that. once if you're using the movie's logic here. Yeah, so I could see people like forgetting, you know. But yeah, I mean, especially like, especially like the kids, especially like the mom, the mom and the kids. I can see them forgetting just because you know people their ages. I can see them forgetting just because you know it was the eighties. I was a child. I don't remember. I lived in, you know, I lived in Chicago, and the news. Yeah. It was just like a small thing on the news, you know. Um, but I can see that I can see where people yeah. would forget. But at the same time, it's like a little more people should know about this, especially like the one character that we meet later on. Um, oh yeah, I, I forgot his name. His name was like um, podcast uh, Logan. Po- yeah. Oh, po- Logan. Logan Kim is the actor's name. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. podcast. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he would have known more about that. Yeah, exactly. Like, his whole thing is he's got an occult podcast. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Obviously, he's the worst kind of person ever, a podcaster. Um, <laughs> Which, can I just say? Yeah. I'm getting really annoyed with podcasters in TV, in movies. Like, because, like, I well, feel it's, like... It's an easy way. It's an easy way to set up why somebody would be interested in something. And it's an easy way for them to give exposition, I feel like, in a lot of movies. So in the Child's Play TV show, uh-huh. there is a character who is a teenager who uh-huh. has a podcast about true crime. So it's just like, okay, and how do they? We're doing. How do they oh, use him? How do they use him in that? Is it like, like oh, he? Wait. You don't know about Charles Lee Ray? Charles Lee Ray killed this person. Blah 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 blah. They yeah, Chucky. Blah. That's exactly what it is. They use they use him to deliver exposition to the to the yeah. audience. Really, it's just a vessel to be like, oh, you don't know about this. This is blah 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 blah. It's like a natural way for you to be like, let me just tell you where you need to be in order to understand what's happening. Yeah, and I just yeah. I just the same. I just don't like it. I mean, yeah. When I watch I, the child's play. 
show when I first saw it. I was yeah. like, okay, here we go. This is just the kid from Fear Street because you didn't watch the Fear Street movies, did you? No, I don't know what that is. Oh, wait. Okay. Fear Street. What is that? Fear. It's on Netflix. To, it was like three movies. It was like oh. Fear Street and then Fear Street 1980 something. Or I saw Fear... I saw one was 1994 and I was like, oh, I should watch this. Like, that sounds cool. And is it actually scary or is it like goosebumps scary yeah it's more like it's more of like um there's some scary visuals in it but most for the most part it's just like a slasher film for the most part. okay well i'm i'm a scaredy cat so yeah it's not that bad it's okay and it's a really good you should actually watch it okay um in that movie in in those movies there's a character and he has like um a freaking like chat blog or something like that where he also does true crime true true crime and he does the same thing so i'm just like in these movies this is just like yeah i get i get why but it's just getting annoying yeah as we as we do this podcast and and as you get like more into like like when you're watching films and kind of breaking them down it's like okay wait why is this character here and like yeah that's that's something that i've started to notice is it's like like I was watching Shang-Chi and there's that friend character that goes along for the whole thing. And it's like, oh, everybody else knows what's going on. This character's here so that they can explain shit to her. But really, they're explaining shit to us. And it's like, you just have these characters that like, okay, we need this person there because they're an outsider. Like the audience is an outsider and that, you know, we can, it's a clever way to do exposition. That's not just telling the audience, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, getting back to the plot of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, uh, Janine Melvin shows up. She tells them that she would pay the bills for Egon, but there's no money. There's a lot of debt. Um, they kind of cruise around the, the farmhouse. They're looking for stuff. Um, they decide it's time to go to get food. Uh, so they head to Spinners, which is like a 50s-style drive-in with people on roller skates and shit. Uh, Trevor sees a cute girl. Can you can you hear this? Yeah. Well, there's the fucking uh, there's a, a siren outside, and then also my uh my kitchen sink just started like gurgling uh <laughs> because I live in a condo building that has like shared plumbing for like the the couple places above me, and uh and so um I think when they put things down their drains. Sometimes there's like this like gurgling noise in mine. My sink has gotten backed up before. It's a whole thing. Um, so I think, I think it's a slime. I think, the slime I think so. I up. think so. Yeah. If I'll, I'll let you know if the, the, the sink comes alive and tries to eat me like in Ghostbusters too. Um, so they, they had to spinners drive in, uh, and, uh, Trevor sees a cute girl. Her name's lucky. She's, uh, his kind of primary love interest. But however, I don't think they ever, do they kiss or anything in this? No, she says that she has a boyfriend later on. We'll talk about that. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll get there. We'll get there because oh, okay. I have qu- I have questions. I want to I want to get to that part and then we'll talk about that. Um. Uh, Trevor sees a cute girl. Her name's Lucky. He's like I I he's like I'm gonna go inside for a second. And his mom's like I love the way that she acts this like out. She's like wait what? And then she see she looks over and she sees Lucky and she goes oh okay, <laughs> like she immediately gets what he's doing. So he goes in and applies. Um, 
he uh, he's applying inside, and I think the first thing he says to her is he's like, nice place you got here. And she's like, oh, thanks. She's like, I don't own it. He's like, yeah, I know you're too young to own it. And then um, she's like, he says like one more thing to her, and then she walks off. And the two dudes behind the counter are just like, nice job, dude. You've got a chance. <laughs> like, I love the way they like straight up mock him to his face. Um, yeah. Word which spreads. I'm, yeah. which I'm also tired of that in movies. Like. <laughs> Why, Kids being why dicks? does everybody why do all the bullies have to be like this like well i you know you say bullies but we're gonna find out very shortly they're all friends like there's not a lot of there's no bullying in this film in the 80s this would have been yeah he would have been bullied hard for a little bit yeah either way i just like i'm like come on why why is this a thing like i'm so over it Kids are dicks. i just feel like yeah. Kids are dicks. i mean not even I wish I wish all the kids were kind of like the kids in um, Twenty One Jump Street, where like like uh, they come up and it's just like, "Hey, cool car," or you know, like whatever, you know, just like the cool kids from you know Twenty One Jump Street, where <laughs> they're just nice. You just <laughs> want cool, nice kids? Yeah, I don't know. Uh... And that's that's not like any of the kids I've known or or met or you know when I was a kid or even more recently. So I hear you. I hear you. Uh, word spreads fast in this town because he walks outside and some teens are already calling him Casanova. They're already fucking with him. There's a lot of uh, a lot of times in this movie where I feel like scenes would have gone on should have gone on longer and like the editing's weird. This is one of them where it's like, oh, that shit just happened. Like he just had that conversation, walked outside, and they were already making fun of him, and like. It definitely seems like um, it seems like like later on there's going to be a scene where he's counting uh, like doing inventory and it's like oh this is definitely supposed to be like they were bullying him and like gave him some sort of like menial task or something that's not real and uh, and it just seems like scenes were cut so I think when this movie comes out I'm definitely going to want to see it with like all of the, the deleted scenes like if there's a director's cut version of this I feel like there's a lot of more shit that was in this film that actually might be fun to watch. So we'll see, but they're already calling him Casanova. He goes back to his car and <laughs> the waitress, uh, brings them their burgers. Now, everybody else at this drive-in is like 16 or 17 years old working there. And the drive, the, <laughs> the waitress who brings them their burgers on her roller skates, easily 90 years old. Easily. <laughs> she's she's so much older than everybody else. And then she's uh she's asking them like if they're, you know, visiting her like new in town or whatever, or something like that. And they said, Yeah, like, oh my dad died and we're we're like, you know, we're cleaning out his house up on the farm and they're like, Oh wow, dirt farmer had a family. And this becomes a thing where everybody knows Egon is the dirt farmer. Um they go back to their home, uh, their new home on the dirt farm, and Phoebe is laying on bed on the bed, um, and a chessboard knocks over uh, behind her. Uh, she picks up the chessboard, puts all the pieces back in place on the chessboard where they should go in their like starting position. Uh, she as she's falling asleep. We see the PKE meter is behind her and it's going off, but fuck it, she's tired, so she goes to sleep. No worries. Um, when she wakes up, she notices that uh, one of the pawns has moved. Um, I, she doesn't think anything of it. I don't know why. She's not like, this is weird. Um, but she moves a, uh, a knight uh, on the chessboard uh, forward um, as if she was making a move. Um, I thought that at some point she should be like, 
hey, who fucked with my chessboard or who fucked with, who, you know, is somebody, was somebody playing chess with me or something like that? But she never asks. And then, yeah, it's just, I could see her thinking that it was like her brother that was fucking with her or her mom or something like that, but no. Uh, she doesn't ask. Uh, on their way to school, um, Trevor hops out because, okay, overnight Trevor's got the job at Spinner's. He applied. No interview, nothing. He's already got the job. They drop him off at Spinner's to go to, to work. Um, Carrie drops Phoebe off at school and she follows her in. Uh, as she's going through the front door, she bumps into Paul Rudd, uh, Gary Gruberson. Um, and <laughs> she's like, can you imagine who teaches like at a place like this? And he's like, oh yeah, I can. He's like, I do. Uh, it turns out he's the summer school teacher. Uh, and then he calls a kid an idiot. He just fucking is like a dirtbag, like a uh, jerk teacher and uh, calls a kid an idiot. Yes, essentially, uh, Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love it. I love it. He's, a be- he's like the eh, second best part of this film. Behind Phoebe. Phoebe was really good. I, I think she carried this, so. Um, before, before she gets dropped off at school, um, sorry, sirens are on my end. Okay. Um, before she gets dropped off at school, they're, they're in the car and she, they're talking to it there. It's implied, not even implied. They kind of tell us, um, that Phoebe has trouble making friends. Um, Carrie asks her, you know, how's the jokes? How are the jokes coming? And, uh, Trevor turns around to like, see what joke she's got she says um why can't you trust molecules or why can't you trust atoms and she said they make up everything and trevor like looks back at his mom and sees he's like see she these are terrible and then like it, that's a whole funny scene uh she gets dropped off at school and then that's when carrie bumps into uh paul rudd immediate chemistry between these two i like them together a lot i think it's good yeah they're really great um uh, I I also have a question here where I was like, why is she in summer school? Like, it's clear that she's the smartest character in this movie. I'm guessing, um, maybe there was like a when they moved, they she couldn't finish normal school. I needed, I needed, I needed one throwaway line of like, like, you know, you're so smart. Why are you failing your classes? And she's just like, it's just not challenging or whatever. Um, I, I, which I guess we kind of get when they're walking into school. I remember her going, uh, you know, you love school. Like you love learning. And she's like, I, she's like, I do love learning. This is not where people learn like in public school. <laughs> um, so I guess, I guess it can be implied that, yeah, the, what I'm choosing to believe is that she's not challenged by school, so she doesn't even try, and she does like her learning outside of school, and that's why she's probably smarter than everybody else who goes to school and does their their schoolwork. Um, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, I just a lot of kids like <clears throat> go to do also do summer school to get ahead. Yeah. But then. In this summer school, they don't do anything. So. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Well, and it's because the guy running it uh, decides to, and we'll see this in a second, Phoebe goes into the class and she meets a kid named Podcast who immediately sticks a mic in her face. He's kind of narrating what she's doing. Um, Podcast was, when he was introduced, I was like, I don't like this character. Like, it's just going to get, this. this the, the bit gets tired kind of quickly. But then other stuff that he does in the film, I'm like, no, nah, you can still, like, I like podcasts. Bring podcasts along. Podcast is fun. 
Like he, I, I think that he, the character is really endearing. At first, it's a little annoying, and then he kind of grows on you. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really care for him just because he's doing the podcast thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he was fine. Um, You're like this guy's taking the, our taking our bit. Yeah, he is. But he was fine. He he added to the movie, so I, I'm not gonna take that away from him. He was a important part of the movie in some parts. So. I was ta- I was taking notes. I was like, this eight year old's a way better podcaster than we are. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that mic he probably had probably cost like three hundred dollars or something like that. Maybe we should get one of those and just start sticking it in people's faces and asking them questions and recording them. Yeah, um, just stand outside a movie theater and be like, "Hey, what do you think of this movie?" Oh my that god, actually, we should, we should. Oh my god, we should get fucking user <laughs> reviews. Man that, on the that street, be too bad. Um, Man so, on the street user review. The first thing that uh, going back to uh, Paul Rudd not being the best uh, summer school teacher, um, instead of teaching them anything, he finds a, a, a TV and he says, "Your school's still working off of Blu-ray or uh, off of fucking VHSs," is what I mean. Uh, he, he says, uh, you know, I found some VHSs in the teacher's lounge. So today we're going to be watching Cujo. Uh, he's like, it's about a dog that attacks children. And he's like, you know, actually, I won't spoil it for you. He's just like, oh, let me just throw it on. It's great. Uh, so the kids are watching Cujo. Um, an earthquake hits while they're watching Cujo. And uh, uh, Paul Rudd's character runs to a back room where he's got some, si- he's measuring seismic activity. He's got seismic maps and stuff like that. Phoebe pops up in the office and he's like, hey, don't, he's like, go watch Cujo. It's a, it's a good film. He's like, get out of here. Um, she says, you have seismographs. These are, you know, seismic activity maps. And he's like, yeah, he kind of starts to pick up that she's not an idiot. Um, she, I like when he explains that, like, there's no fault lines or, or volcanoes around here. Like, these are, you know, volcanic waves. These are what uh, the, the, you know, big P wave, little K wave or whatever he's talking about, the, uh, the earthquakes. Um, and then he's, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm not an idiot. Like, I know that. It's, it's funny. Um but he uh, he picks up that she's not an idiot. They talk about the earthquakes that are occurring. Um, the earthquakes that are occurring have a large P wave and small K wave, whereas I think it's the opposite for earthquakes or something like that. Um, long story short, the earthquakes occurring in town are not natural. He's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, uh, this is is this where. At some point, it's either when she's in his office right now or it's later, I can't remember, but Phoebe makes a joke and then she just gives it the driest delivery and then she winks and he's like, was it, was that a joke? And she's like, yeah, that's why I winked. And it's the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in yeah. a movie. I, I love her character. Yeah, I don't know if it was this time or if it was the other time there yeah. in the classroom, uh-huh. but whatever, I can't even remember the joke, but I was like, I like that joke because it was a very anti-joke oh no i think it was um what did one whale say to one whale that was no that was to gozer oh okay yeah that was to Gozer. but there was a i don't know all her jokes seem like anti-jokes which are my favorite type of jokes i remember the one about like why can't you trust adams because they make up everything uh I remember when she's talking to Gozer and she says, like, there's two whales in a bar. One says, whoa, and then she's like, the other one says, go home, you're drunk. Uh, she does the fish joke, like, what do you call a fish with no eyes? A fish. And uh, I'm trying to think. I, I want to know what that other one was. Where the, the one where she gives the dry delivery and then winks is fucking great. Um, uh, so... 
Yeah, he figures out she's not an idiot. Uh, we cut over to Spinners, where Trevor is counting burger patties. Um, which this is the part where I was like, again, it's he's doing like inventory, but like he's counting burger patties and he's sitting in the walk-in, and it feels like a prank that one of the the, the other dudes would have pulled on him. Um, Lucky swings by. He's freezing. She's like, "Your lips are blue." He, she's like, "Here, take my hoodie. Um, it's cute, but she's like, it's super masculine." Like she's like. Put, you know, take my hoodie. It's super masculine. It's got a wolf on it. And then he starts to put it on and she's like, yeah, it's my boyfriend's. And then he just starts to immediately take it off, which I thought was funny. Um, yeah, that was great. Uh, but, yeah. So do they, so was her, was she just saying that or did she actually have a boyfriend? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. Cause that was the thing is I was like, she says she's got a boyfriend um, and then immediately following this, they go up to the mine and they're like sitting in the little mine car together and they're kind of having like, you know, the, the meet cute, like kind of like romance type stuff, not a meet cute, but like they're doing like the kind of like start of a romance thing where they're starting to like chat one-on-one and, and like start to find out about each other. And, uh, I was like, Oh, she's fucking cheating on her boyfriend. Um, because she delivers that boyfriend line and like, People know, like, I think you guys know me, like, the, the listeners know me. Like, I don't like cheaters, right? Like, I don't like when Zach cheats on his wife. It, like, I'm on record as saying that. So, like, when she delivers that so dryly, okay. and then they're... Right. And then... Right. <laughs> right. Let's just clarify, that was a joke. <laughs> because you said it so, like, nonchalantly, like it was back. So let's just clarify, that was a joke. <laughs> I was just going to see how long you were going to let me go with it. But... Yeah, they do go, like, right after the scene where he's counting burgers and doing the inventory thing, she's like, we're going to the mine, fucking get the car, loser, and, like, they go up, and, like, everybody's cool, like, all the guys who were just making fun with it, fun of him are cool, like, he's in the back of, like, a, it's not an El Camino, but it's, like, from that era where they were, like, you know what the El Camino is? The muscle car yeah. that's got, like, a truck bed? Yeah, the car truck. Yeah, and, like, how muscle cars had, like, insanely high insurance rates in, like, the 80s and, like, 70s and 80s because, like, they were just, like, all power and no handling. So they put a truck bed on it so that they could market it as a truck and drive down insurance rates for the cars and, like, sell them that way. I did not know that's why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, like, not now Camino, but it's kind of the same deal. But they're riding in the back of that, and they drive up to, to the mine. Uh, to the top of like this mountain where like there's the opening to the mine. Um, he like I say he's cool with all the guys. Uh, when they get up there, um, Lucky and Trevor are are sitting in the little like uh, like a little like lift thing that's over the mine, which is fucking that thing's old as shit. I'm like you guys are gonna die. <laughs> like get out of that right now. Um, yeah, um, I watch one of my favorite um, genres on YouTube to watch is the uh, Urban yeah. Explorer. Uh huh. And they do i've seen some urban explorers do that same similar thing and every time i just like you will die with worry yeah like oh my god like get off of that look how uh-huh. rusty that is yeah, yeah. so they're hanging so, out uh, over the mine and uh she he says like you know, this place is a fucking shithole i don't think he says exactly that way but it's it's what he means uh she says well she's fourth generation junk which is why she's there and why she doesn't think she'll get out um, they hear a growl like below them. There's like a rumbling sound and they, they look down through the hole um, and they see like a red cloud, like a red and black cloud. It's very clear that it's ghost activity. Um, 
This is where Trevor says he hears something say Gozer, and I'm like, no, you fucking didn't. Like, I didn't hear that. Um, it's... Yeah, I was like, did did that noise say that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was very confused on that part. Too. There's there's a couple times like like Trevor's not in the movie a lot, and like when he's there, it's like I don't need, like I don't even know why. I think they just needed a reason for him to be involved later, where he's like, oh, I heard it say Gozer. Like they just need it to. I don't know. I feel like that was a retcon kind of thing to like fix a plot hole. Um, uh, but that like, then like there's like an explosion out of the top of this hole. And then like all of the fucking kids just like laugh. Like it's not a big deal. And I'm like, that wasn't normal. Like you guys got to be freaking out. Like nobody gives a fuck about ghosts in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like I could kind of see if, you know, if you're there and you're like, Oh, it's just like, a gas pocket that erupted yeah or something like that there was no I attempt could see that yeah i could see that and being but still like i would still be like okay let's go because yeah you know you don't have to believe it's a ghost thing but like even if it's just like a, a gas pocket that it was still fire, freaky yeah yeah it's like no get the hell out of there yeah idiots fucking idiots um phoebe is hanging out with podcasts after uh after summer school she says she doesn't believe in ghosts uh so podcast is like well we've got to go fucking 30 miles outside of town and go into this mine (laughs) he takes her down into a mine and there's a uh like ancient ruin with the terror dogs a statue of gozer and the steps that we saw on the top of the building in ghostbusters one um and uh she sees this i think she's convinced by it or whatever but they look at it she's she's kind of like inspects it and um they uh they go back to uh the dirt farm uh where podcast is like standing outside with her and she's like he's like this is your house and he's like she's like yeah this is the house that we got from my my grandpa when he died um and then he like pulls out his phone to start recording her and she's like are you recording me he's like yeah just in case you get like torn apart by a dark force or something like that um and he's like you're gonna walk inside there and then she just like yeah walks up the road and goes home um uh and when she gets back to her room she realizes that another pawn on the chessboard has moved uh, she grabs the PKE meter, uh, so she goes to move an, another piece and uh, takes one of the pawns off the board, uh, and then the knight on the other side moves and knocks her knight across the, the room, um, and she's like, oh, okay, like, fucking ghosts are real, no big deal. She literally just said ghosts aren't real, and then, like, now she's getting encountered by, like, actual ghost activity and doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, um, I thought that was kind of like, okay. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives yeah. a shit about ghosts. I'd be freaking out. I'd run out of the house. I would be like, we're not, we're, we're going home. Fuck this place. Yeah. I would have been like, um, I could kind of see, I wish they would have just been like, her would have been more skeptical about it until she goes into the basement, which I think is the scene right after this. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been, that would have worked better for me if that she would have been like, mm, I don't know what this is, but it's probably, you know, magnetize something something you know she would have yeah. thought of a stupid sciencey way to explain it away but, yeah um she didn't she was just like oh okay nah, cool cool we're going with it um they're actually not going to go down into the basement because that's the hard part about writing the plot for this movie from memory is um that uh they go to the basement like two or three times 
and it's hard to remember exactly what they're doing down there at any time. So we'll, we'll see where this one goes, which is um, the chess piece gets knocked across the room. Um, she uh, she grabs the PKE meter because it's going off. Um, the lights start to flick on. She follows the lights downstairs and the PKE meter, and she's kind of like doing the like, you know, warmer cold warmer 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 thing and following the pka meter um and she follows it all the way down to uh the living room her mom's passed out with a bottle of wine (laughs) um at the like table um she moves the chair aside the chair flips around like scoots in like with her into it uh like sitting down and then she uh the light comes on and is pointing directly at the ground in front of her she figures out this like puzzle on the ground um, and inside of there is the trap that Egon hid in the floor uh, w- before he died. Yeah. Okay. I forgot this part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she grabs the trap. We cut to the next day at school. She's brought it to she brought it to school, and Paul Rudd is like, "Hey, cool replica!" And there, she's like, "Replica? Like what? Like we don't know what this is." And he's like, "Hey, you don't know what this is?" Uh, he's like, "Fucking Ghostbusters! It's a replica of the trap. It's like ghost trap." And uh, he tells him that you know, yeah, the Ghostbusters in the eighties, like. New York City was like the Walking Dead, blah, blah, blah. That's when we have this whole conversation. Um, he holds it up and a little bit of like ghost smoke, dust, something comes out of the top. Yeah. And he drops yeah. it and he's like, holy yeah. shit, this is real. And uh, and um, this is actually where I put the note of like, is this a sequel to the first one or the second one? Because he doesn't mention any of the events of the second one, but we've already talked that to death. Um, they go outside and their plan is to open the trap. Um Am I missing the part here where? I think this is the second time that we're in class and the movie that he's picked is actually Child's Play. And I thought you'd be very hype. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I loved seeing that. Hey, let's go. So they. This uh, movie has a. Oh, yep. just mm-hmm. real quick. This movie yep. has like a lot of references to other properties. You got. Cujo and The Walking yep. Dead and Chucky and Walmart. I feel like there was Walmart and just, just a whole bunch of things. <laughs> and Baskin like, Robbins. Okay. <laughs> I know oh, you're talking yeah. about I know you're talking about like film franchise and shit, but that's I, I just noticed all the product placement. <laughs> yeah, I did see the wall of freaking ice cream. It was like that never have I ever been into a store and it's been one brand of ice cream <laughs> just in a whole, up like two whole, whole thing yeah 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 it was it's very obvious and like he picks it up and he like looks at it uh, which we'll get to is, is one of the funnier parts of the film um so uh they decide that they're gonna go open this fucking ghost trap which is a bad idea but whatever let's go do it uh they go outside uh he, he sets the trap on the hood of his car and they hook it up to uh, uh, the battery on one of the school buses. Um, totally not safe. Just to- to- oh yeah, I, I, yeah for sure. But he's got he's got that covered because he says you know geometry, fucking uh, math, those are safe. Uh, science is for like badasses basically. Um, and he gives everybody like safety goggles and uh, tells um, podcast to fire up the bus. Uh, podcast does so. He hits the the foot pedal. Nothing happens. He hits it again. Nothing happens. He hits it a bunch more times. Nothing happens. He walks up to it and taps the the top of the box, and it bursts open, releasing a giant, scary terror dog ghost thing, uh, which quickly flies uh, past them, past the buses, 
towards the mine, which is not a good sign. Uh, and it breaks all the windows uh, in the buses and the windshield of his car. And this is what scientists call a bad thing. Because um, they have now released a fucking ghost. Um, they go back to the house, uh, the dirt the dirt farm house, uh, to look around for stuff, try to figure out what's going on. Uh, podcast finds the Aztec death whistle and asks if he could keep it after he blows it. And it's got a horrifying sound. Yeah, so <laughs> this podcast I used to listen to, mm-hmm. um, uh, crap, I'm forgetting the name. Oh, it's called Social Vill- Social Villains, okay. and the the podcast ended and then it came back, and one of the hosts pranked the other co-host when they weren't doing the show anymore. He like the co-host was in town for some reason and he was staying at a hotel, and the other co-host had this Aztec death whistle. And he climbed up over his balcony, over his balcony, through and opened the sliding door, stood right beside him while he was asleep in bed, and blew this whistle. Jesus. And it totally freaked out the other host. And it was just the funniest thing. And that was the first time I heard about like this death whistle. And I had to dive into it, and there's no way watch. that that's there's no way that that's what it actually sounds like, like it does in Ghostbusters Afterlife, right? Because it sounds like no, uh, no, no, it sounds exactly like that. Which it, it sounds like if you haven't seen the movie yet, it sounds like a fucking like, cl- like whatever they use for like a mummy or zombie like scream in a movie. Yeah, um, I guess I'll edit in the sound. Yeah, and that's it, it sounds exactly like that in the movie, and that's just how it sounds in real life. Jesus. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> Horrifying. All right, well. Uh, well, they go back and look around for stuff. He gets, yeah, so he blows this Aztec death whistle, and Carrie walks in, and I love how much she doesn't give a fuck, because he's like, can I keep this? And she's like, yeah, as long as you promise not to blow it again in the house. And uh, she's just, like, giving away shit. Like, this this stuff is probably, like, priceless artifacts, and she's just, like, handing it out. Yeah, I like um, that part. She's just like, yeah, take it. Yeah, go. Fuck it. Who cares? She's a, she's a fun mom. Um, revelations come to fruition as... Uh, okay, this is where, and I'm going to be honest, uh, I was typing up the plot. I couldn't remember what happened, so I went out and I found a synopsis online. Uh, I, hit a, I did a quick copy and paste, and then I was editing it before the podcast, so uh, some of the stuff might not sound like me, and it's because I didn't write it. Um, uh, Trevor finds the Ecto-1 in the barn, uh, so they're like searching around the house. Trevor goes out to the barn. He finds the Ecto-1 under a tarp. Uh, Phoebe f- uh, finds her way uh, via the same, like, uh, lights and PKE meter and stuff takes her out to the shed out back where there's a fireman's pole that goes down to a like hidden kind of lab area and stacks if you find a fucking fireman's pole in a shed are you going down it and not knowing if there's a way back up yeah no I <laughs> I'm like I I'll find the fucking it, stairs so, before so, I go down that yeah um and later on in the movie, another character goes down there. And yeah. I'm just like, y'all don't know how to get back up. Why do y'all keep doing this? <laughs> they never like, show it either, yeah. Have you ever tried climbing up a pole? It oh, is yeah. possible, but it's like a lot of effort. <laughs> so, I would die like, down there, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know why they're, they're, they're so willy-nilly about sliding down it. But I, that being said, I also have never seen a fireman's pole in real life. If I did, I, I don't know if I'd be able to contain myself. I might just go down it because, you know, what a way to go. Just because, yeah. Wait, what a way to go. I think, I think I would go out on a high. I think I'd be like, this was worth it. Um, Phoebe finds a proton pack in the basement uh, using uh egon's kind of invisible ghost guiding her around and i actually love the fuck out of this scene he kind of is directing her from the afterlife with um lights uh aiming lights at stuff and manipulating objects um she finds her way to a proton pack she opens up the cover of it she says two of these like capacitor things are missing uh and then i love it's very egon like personality wise of just like very quickly the light like goes like towards a drawer the drawer flies open and they're in there she grabs those she puts them in there um she says needle nose pliers he aims the light at the uh needle nose pliers she grabs that she fucking fixes the pack uh and we don't see her fired up here it's but you know she she fixes it um she uh grabs podcast and they go out into the field uh into some fields next to like some like old factory uh to to test it out they set up some bottles she asks him to flip it on it makes this really fucking cool sound and this is the part where i was like man if i could get something that just had like a really cool speaker in it and sounded like that i could flip it on and be like like fucking lights sounds things like that the little uh tip of the wand uh that they hold like pops out and has like a little clear glass piece on it i'm like fuck i want one of these like a really high quality replica and i think there's one coming in like 2023 and i will pay like 700 dollars for it i don't give a fuck let's do it um i i don't think it's gonna be that much but we'll see we'll see i i would love to have one to hang on the wall i think it'd be great i think it'd be an awesome like little piece of uh wall art um uh they fire the uh proton pack um and it fucking obliterates the cans and whatever sitting there they set a small fucking fire and like don't even worry about it i don't know i live in california so i'm like man you just like one little fire like that's gonna burn down half the state because that's how it works here but they're not phased by it yeah no, no big deal yeah no it's whatever um so uh upon firing it they hear some rustling in a nearby warehouse they're like what's that it's this is where up until this point i was like okay movie's like moving at a pace but like come on we gotta get to it like let's fucking start doing shit and then it starts going way too fast and things happen way too conveniently for a little bit here where they're testing the proton pack and then they hear this sound and then they go into the the factory and they find a ghost that's called muncher and i think that this is cool i feel like this is our generations or like whoever like the kids that go see this now this is their slimer because he's kind of a silly looking ghost and he munches on metal and uh he's eating the pipes and shit in there um they hide behind Um, some pipes yep played by josh gad i heard that yeah which is funny he's the guy from like fanboys and uh uh fucking what balls of fury yeah no 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 i'm thinking of a different guy but he's uh he's uh like olaf olaf is he gaston's friend in the live action beauty and the beast yeah i think so okay okay he's this he's this generation's uh uh, jack black andy's no andy circa andy yeah andy circa no not andy circus andy andy circus what's his is it circus Andy Circus is uh is yeah. like Smeagol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I th- he does like a lot of uh voice and mocap stuff, I think. 
Andy Circus is this generation's Andy Circus. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I feel like kids love Josh Gad. He's got that uh, freaking Pixar. I mean, not Pixar. Disney. Um... Josh Gad is this generation's Jack Black because, like, Jack Black did Jack Black did like Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Or maybe like this generation's like Mike Myers. Maybe. Give mm, Mike Myers know. was Shrek. <laughs> Mike Myers was Shrek. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we I'm glad we've given <laughs> adequate analogs for Josh Gad. I know that people are going to be upset about that. Um, uh, okay, so getting back to it. Oh, uh, they find Muncher. They're hiding behind some pipes. Um, fucking <laughs> this is where a podcast is like. I got this. He stands up and he blows the Aztec death whistle, and the thing just stares at him, and then fucking shoots like a bunch of like metal pieces out of its mouth, like at speed, like these would fucking, it was like a flak gun, like an anti-aircraft gun of just like metal coming at them. And like, this would kill you. Yeah, no doubt. And I, and I, when I was watching, I was trying to remember, cause I feel like there was like maybe a mortal combat or like some character in a video game that does like the exact same thing where it just mm. eats metal and it just spits it out like a freaking like bullets. I couldn't remember, but if yeah, you, I can't. I can't think of anything. If you listeners out there um, know of a character that does that or know what I'm thinking of, uh, let me know. Leave a comment huh. on our Instagram or send us a message. All right, we'll see. Um, so yeah, the the fucking Aztec death whistle doesn't work. Uh, he they crouch down to just uh, uh, barely avoid the uh, the metal being shot back at them. Um, the, this is where they attempt to like wrangle it. So she fires the proton pack at it and she actually like captures him for a little bit. Like she's got him tethered by the proton pack. Um, but for some reason, fucking like podcast annoys me here in the scene and in like another one that's coming up where he just like doesn't open the trap. Like he's trying to like, oh, this is the part where he slides the trap out and it falls on its side and he, so he doesn't open it. Um, I thought that was funny. I thought, I, it, like I thought it, that was funny. Yeah. He, but he kind of fucks it up and then, uh, Muncher gets away. Um, Trevor is repairing Ecto one. Now this is the whole reason that Trevor's in the film, uh, that, that Finn Wolfhard, Wolf, Wolf Finnhard is, uh, is in the, is in the film. Uh, he's here purely to repair Ecto one. Um, and we actually like, there was lines in the trailer that aren't in the film where he's like, oh, you know, like, why this one? And he's like, it's the only one that had an engine or something like that. Um, we do see at the at the farm, there's like a bunch of like old Cadillacs and stuff. And it becomes clear at some point that like Egon has these old Cadillacs because he's trying to keep the Ecto-1 running. And he's uh, like cannibalizing them for parts. Um, but Trevor repairs Ecto-1. Uh, and he takes it for a joyride through the cornfield. And this is actually like a fucking hype scene. Uh, I did see an uh, uh, interview quick. with... Yeah? Real quick, when he's repairing it and he's trying to crank it, it doesn't yeah. crank. But then like this one little piece of yes. like, metal gets laid down by the ghost, it's, right? It's a wire. Yeah, it's a wire to the starter motor. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's... It's like kind of frayed and like hanging out. And then, yeah, you see it move down and connect. And it's like, yeah, Egon helping him to repair yeah. it. Which I thought, I thought was a dope. Cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, he tears out into the cornfield. And uh, Jason Reitman was saying like in the first film, it's pretty clear that like, and I think we talked about this, is that uh, it's pretty clear that um, 
the Ecto-1 is not very powerful, and it's like they had to speed up the film to make it look like it was going fast, but it's very clear because there's fog in the shot that they're like it sped up film. Uh, in this one, they said that they did like a full rebuild on the engine and stuff like that, and it made it powerful, and uh, that like it can actually do the burnouts and stuff like that, and sounds like that, which I think is sick uh, to have like this total hot rod, you know, Ghostbusters car. Um, so he's tearing around in it. Uh, he goes off of like, uh, he, I think he goes, oh shit. And then he goes off like this embankment and lands on the, on the road. And man, he would have done so much frame damage to this thing. Cause the way that it hits does not look good, but, uh, it's fine. And he comes across, uh, uh, Phoebe and podcast. And he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And, uh, he's got the thing running and they tell him what happened. And they, they take off to go capture, uh, Muncher, uh, in town. They chase Muncher through the city. Um, at this part is when they bump the lever in the car and we find out that Ecto-1 has a gunner seat that hangs Phoebe out the door, which I thought was really cool. Um, and they she's totally, like, yeah. They totally stole that from Ninja Turtles. Because <laughs> like, I never watched the cartoon, so I don't know if that was a thing in the cartoon. But I know that was definitely a thing in the Ninja Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon where they had that, like, that pop-out seat, which... I don't know. That's just what I, when I saw it, I was like, hey, wait a minute. They did that Ninja Turtles. Which, yes, uh, yes, you're right. I remember that because I had the toy when I was a kid. But yep, that being said, too. that being said, Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, uh, or Ghostbusters, uh, the real Ghostbusters, that's the thing that they pulled from the cartoon. Uh, I, read, ah, I, read a, okay. I read a piece of trivia that this is like, uh, this is the first time we've seen that in the movies, but it was in the real Ghostbusters. So, uh, okay. So we'll have to see who did it first, uh, TMNT or uh, or uh, the Ghostbusters. You know what I've never seen is a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, live action film. I feel like we should throw that on the docket for uh, for reviews. I think those would be fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you want to. I mean, it can't be as bad as Biodome. You know what? We set the we set the floor early with Biodome, so everything's oh. a step up from that. I forgot. I forgot. There's the the old Ninja Turtle movies. Okay, I'm thinking of like you want to watch the new ones. I think we should watch them all. Me. I think we should do it all. I think we should. We gotta oh, watch no. everything. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it. Um, so they chase Ecto, or they in Ecto one they chase uh, Muncher through the city again. Phoebe's in the uh, gunner seat. She tethers him. They're they're chasing him around. Um, they uh, they use the um. RC car with the trap on it, which I thought was really cool. It's got like a little ramp in the in the Ecto One, um, so they're they're trying to get the trap under it with the RC car. Um, eventually, they are successful at catching Muncher, but after they do a whole bunch of damage to the city, um, and uh, after they catch it and ruin their mom's date. Oh yeah, for some reason that's not in my notes. Uh, Gary and Carrie, Gary, Gary and Carrie, Gary and Callie. Paul Rudd and, Ka- and Carrie Coon's character are on a date together, um, and Muncher flies through the restaurant that they're in, and they they hear Ecto One go by, and uh, but I don't think they they know it's the kids at this point. The kids capture Muncher in the trap, uh, and the cops show up, and uh, they get sub- subsequently pulled over after capturing it, and they get put in the town's holding cell. Um, in the, uh, while they're in the in the jailhouse. Um, 
it's the three kids in one cell and Lucky is actually in the cell behind them and she's like she plays a joke on Trevor where she's like hey I I just need you to hide something like for me and you think that she's going to give him some drugs or something to hide for her because uh, she's got a prior or something like that but it turns out that her dad's uh, whatever the sheriff or the cop in town and she's just hanging out in a holding cell for fun um, this sheriff is when played by, Sheriff played by uh, Bokeem uh, Bokeem Woodbine uh, famously known for looking like Dave Chappelle. Really? <laughs> so, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was like a, it's just been, he's been in a lot of things. Um, the Rock. Have you ever seen The Rock? Yeah, dude. The Rock is great. Yeah. He's in The Rock. He plays, um, he just plays a soldier. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what is the biggest movie he's probably been in? Well, he's going to um, be in, he's going to be in the Halo uh, show that's coming up on Paramount Plus that they announced. Oh, is he? He's uh, Soren 066, so I, maybe one of the Spartans. Oh, wow. Um, he plays Can't Get Right in the movie Life. Have you seen that? Uh-huh. Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, really good movie. Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Oh. Uh, he plays he plays uh, a character in there. Pretty Not a big character, but he has a pretty good part in the movie. Really good. I, wonder, I like the guy. I wonder if this movie's any good that he's in called Queen and Slim. And it's got, the only reason that I'm like interested in it is it's got that Daniel Kaluuya, 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 I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's the guy yeah. from Get, uh, Get Out. Yeah, his old sleepy ass. I think he, he's fucking every movie. He looks so fucking sleepy. <laughs> he really know. does. Okay, yeah, he's got a sleepy look to him. He's just got his eyelids are always like half down. Uh, yeah. And then also, uh, it looks like uh, Bokeem Woodbine is in the Fargo TV show, and he's in uh, he's in Spider Man Homecoming. Is yeah. Oh yeah, he plays uh, Shocker. Shocker. In, yeah, like um. Towards the end, he's like he's one of the guys who was like buying, um, buying. No, he was in like um, what's the guy's um, Hawk, not Hawk, uh, Vulture. What? Yeah. What's that actor's name? In his little crew, and oh, okay. He, and he gets like this shocker fist thing, so he's in. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, maybe that was was that kind of a subtle reference? Oh yeah, fucking. <laughs> No, they, they straight up call him Shocker. Ah. Yeah. Now I'm looking at stills from fucking Spider-Man Homecoming. And... This isn't Spider-Man Homecoming, is it? That's Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's not in Spider-Man Homecoming, is he? <laughs> uh, no, maybe in a different universe. I fucking forgot that Donald Glover's in, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Yeah. Another day. Another day we'll do Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay, so... um. Yeah, so, and then this is the part where, the part that you hated, which is when he says, you got one phone call. Yeah, you got one phone call, but who are you going to call? Which is like, shut up. Hey, in the context of the film, I think it, I mean, the fact that he said it, and we know it's a, a reference, but like, who are you going to call? Like, who are you going to call for your one call? Is kind of, it makes sense. I don't know. It wasn't horrible. It was on the nose, but it wasn't like... I was like, ah, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, no, 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 no. Cut it out. Uh, during their time at the jailhouse, Phoebe uses her one phone call option to call the number of the Ghostbusters from the commercial that she was watching earlier. She pulls out her her, 
uh, you know, these kids and their YouTubes. And she watches their old like ads and she calls the number from their ads. And sure, it's a 30 year old phone number, but it's actually still the phone number to raise a cult bookshop. Uh, and he picks up and she says um, she's calling about Egon Spangler. Uh, he says Egon Spangler can rot in hell. And it's a pretty shocking thing, like, when it first happened. I wasn't expecting that. Um, she says, well, he died last week. And uh, Ray gets sad. And honestly, this fucking hit hard. The fact that... I think it's knowing what I know about uh, Bill Murray and and Harold Ramis in real life. Um, that, that they feuded and uh, Harold Ramis had this, uh, you know, his illness late in life and that they kind of made amends and spent the day together and, and stuff like that before shortly before Hale Ramis passed away um so it was, it was something hit me about uh Ray um saying he can rot in hell her saying that he's dead and this kind of sadness washing over his face like he's lost a close friend I'm actually tearing up talking about it right now um that's what HRT will do to, do to you so you know if you ever want to cry more estrogen's a good way to achieve that um so he explains that the team broke up after they uh, had ostensibly eliminated all of the ghosts. So they say there hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. Uh, he says that Pete says we did our job too well, that there were no ghosts. Um, and uh, they had a, a falling out after Egon uh, wanted to keep hunting ghosts, felt like there was something still coming, uh, took all of the equipment and claimed Goz Gozer could still bring the end of the world. Um Phoebe tells Ray that Egon was killed a week ago before she's abruptly cut off by the, the sheriff, uh, uh, claiming that her time is up. Uh, she also starts to say that she's uh, his granddaughter, uh, Egon's granddaughter, um, which I felt like she should have let with that. <laughs> but uh, the phone call gets cut off, and that's the last we hear of Ray for a while. Um, Carrie and Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yep. You, would just, you would just think that, okay, I'm in jail. Shit's about to start popping off. Yeah, let dude. me just try to dump as much information yes. in this short phone call that I have. I've got but, one phone call. I'm Egon's granddaughter. Gozer's back. We released uh, a ghost. Um, something big is happening. You need to get to Somerville, Oklahoma. It's like 20 seconds. You're done. Yeah. But no. She no, wanted to... Just like, she wanted to know why they... Casual conversation, yeah. She wanted to know why they weren't friends anymore and yeah, all that shit. Um, but it's it's a cute conversation nonetheless. Um, Carrie and Paul Rudd, who were out on a date during all this, show up and bail them out. Uh, Phoebe confronts her mom uh, for not telling her who their grandfather really was. Uh, Carrie counters with the history that she has with her dad. Um, she says, uh, this is where Phoebe asks, you know, why didn't you tell me it was a Ghostbuster? He likes science, like I like science, and stuff like that. And it's I think they actually did a really good job with Phoebe. Like, if you can't tell, like, Phoebe is, like, my favorite part of this movie. They did a really good job of, like, giving are the same glasses as Egon. She's got the curly hair like Egon that's kind of shorter. Um, and she, uh, her love of the sciences and like the fact that she doesn't relate well to people and she doesn't make friends easily. Like she is very much like a little Egon and stuff. And I think that like, it just made me like for fictional characters, just wish that she had time to spend with him in like while he was alive because they would have really got along. And um, again, I'm tearing up because it's sad, but also... Um, I, I wish that, uh, uh, 
Well, I guess she did. It, it is a really cute moment. I, I think that I wish she got to spend that time at the same time. It's really cute for her to have bonded with her, with him the way that she does in this film where he's kind of like from beyond the grave, like, uh, uh, you know, in, like they're really doing what they love to do together. Um, so yeah. Uh, Carrie and Paul Rudd were on the date. They, they, so uh, she confronts her mom. Uh, Carrie counters by telling her the history that she has with her dad. She just basically says he was, you know, he bailed on us. She she fucking hates her dad in this. Um, yeah. Uh, she wasn't into science like he was, and uh, they felt like they and felt like they never bonded, and he didn't care about her. That's why he left them and became a recluse on the Oklahoma farm. She concludes. Um, Phoebe discovers that his dirt farm. So she goes out and she's looking in the dirt and she's she starts to piece it all together uh, that he didn't, you know, this dirt farm isn't just dirt. Uh, it's actually a field of hundreds of ghost traps uh, to capture Gozer. So he's got like uh, ghost traps in a row, like you would plant, uh, you know, something in, in on, on a farm like corn. Um, and there's all these ghost traps under the dirt. Um, uh, Phoebe discovers, yeah, that the dirt farm was actually a bunch of traps. They realized that the trap must have failed and set, uh, and set off to investigate the mineshaft once more. Um, by this time, Lucky has become close with Trevor uh, through their work together uh, and the discovery that she is the sheriff's daughter. Um, so she tags along to the mine with Trevor, uh, Phoebe, and Podcast. At some point, they, they, they don the, the Ghostbuster suits, <laughs> um, which are made for six, three, uh, six foot three uh, men. You know, all of the Ghostbusters are over six foot. Um, yeah. But somehow these uh, jumpsuits perfectly fit 12-year-old children. Yeah, you know, because it's all those uh, uh, hormones and milk and food now. They're just, they're just freakishly huge. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, perspective, it's a perspective thing. They, You know, Phoebe's 12, but she's actually 6'3". Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, they discover the root cause of all the tremors is in fact uh, there's uh, the mine and there's a, a hole that's like a sacrificial hole thing um, but they discover that the tremors uh, are in fact like the ghosts coming out of this portal and um, uh, Egon has rigged it up so that there are like three proton packs that fire into the center and go down to keep uh to cross the streams and then keep the uh the ghosts at bay from keep coming out of this like well type portal thing um and that's what's causing the earthquakes uh that every time that goes off it causes a rumbling underground um very smart very smart i like that i thought it was really cool yeah a really cool reveal and i i yeah i like that a lot um uh, along with the twin demon dogs, a uh, series of four seismic activated pro proton guns that Egon rigged up or inside turn on. Uh, they automatically cross beams and su suppress the constant attempts of the ghost trying to escape. Uh, this was the source of their current tremors everyone in town was experiencing and holding Gozer back from the inter insurmountable task Egon had taken on alone since no one believed him. Um, the same night, uh, Paul Rudd goes to Walmart. So after everybody's, the, they made this discovery, everybody goes home. Paul Rudd goes to Walmart. Lots of product placement. It's very cool. They show the exterior of the Walmart. Uh, it's the nicest Walmart you've ever seen. Uh, and this must have been filmed during COVID because he's the only one in there. Yeah, I did. Do you notice that, that shit? Weird. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel like they CG. Weird. I feel like they CG'd some people in there, but then like as soon as shit starts to go down, there's nobody. Yeah, I felt like I. There was probably like a couple of screams, I think, 
yeah. but for the most part it was completely empty when he leaves the parking lot's completely empty uh-huh. and i'm just like why is this this walmart wouldn't even be open really because like they close at like 10 <laughs> so yeah. it's like why are you even doing it bro it was very odd. Uh, he goes to Walmart. He picks up some ice cream. And this is funny because he just he's like at the ice cream and he grabs a pint and he goes, Jamocha fudge or Jamocha almond or something and uh, grabs that uh, flavor of ice cream. Um, I got to look it up, but I I want to I want to know what because I feel like there was a when he went in, in Ant-Man. Uh-huh. There was like a scene when he worked at Baskin. He worked at not at Baskin Robbins. Um, he worked at. um. I think Did it actually please? was. I think it actually was Baskin Robbins. I, Baskin I read a. Robbins. I read a trivia piece here that like it, this is a. This is um. You know he also worked at Baskin Robbins and Ant Man. <laughs> yeah. So I I, I want to know what I, I got to go back and watch Ant Man to see what flavor ice cream uh that was that they were talking about when he had the meeting with his boss. I uh, haven't been to Baskin Robbins in forever. I actually don't know if there's any around me, but uh their flavor of the month is Snickerdoodle Chai and. Yes, please. Let's Ew. let's fucking go. I I want that now. Oh my god! This scoop of rich vanilla chai flavored ice cream contains chewy snickerdoodle dough pieces and cinnamon streusel swirl. Each bite is a sweet and spice taste of fall. No, I actually I actually was about to read that as it just I saw I just saw like four letter word ending in LL. I was like, it's a spice taste of hell. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, Baskin Robbins bringing it. OK, um, how, how late is Baskin Robbins open? All right, I'll figure it out. Um, it's t- it's 1038. So they're probably yeah, close. Door, if you door dash it now, I'll get here by the end of the episode. Oh, you think so? Oh, what if I'm <laughs> able to like just eat right on stream? OK, <laughs> fuck. Where's the nearest location, though? You know, I've never had uh, Baskin Robbins, so I, I couldn't really get it. Yeah, no. And I'm not no. really, I'm not really an ice cream person, anyways. So. You know what? I got to give it to the boys at Baskin Robbins uh, marketing department because they've worked the 31 into the BR logo, and it, I don't know. Was it ever actually called 31 Flavors? Was there a merger at some point between Baskin Robbins and 31 Flavors? I have no idea. You ever call it 31 flavors? You know what I'm talking about at all? Okay. Yeah. I've never called it that. I know that that's their thing. You know, I've heard TV shows joke about like, you know, Hey, what about 32 flavors? You know, or, you know, stupid stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never actually been to see all 32 in person. Uh, There's a Baskin Robbins that's open from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. What the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. It's kind of like Cold Stone Creamery, where it's like, why is this open so late? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I get sometimes you want like ice cream in the middle of the night, but Damn. really, closest one is two miles away, and it closes at ten p.m. <clears throat> yeah, they all close at ten. This is bullshit. Okay, well tomorrow I know what I'm doing. Uh, so uh paul rudd grabs his jamoka almond or whatever jamoka fudge whatever it was uh he is walking down the aisle and he notices a stay puff marshmallow bag is coming to life uh it's kind of uh uh moving around a little stay puff marshmallow man pops his head out of the bag and it's actually super cute he kind of face plants onto the uh, onto the shelf and uh um paul rudd gives him a shove 
uh, with his finger. Uh, he puts out his finger. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man walks up and bites the end of his finger. And then he notices a bunch of Stay Puft Marshmallow Men are all kind of appearing from the shelves around him. And they start killing each other in gruesome ways. Um, yeah, there's one I thought in this like part a... was so funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny too. It went on just yeah. a little bit too long. But I, I yeah, was like, this is... Long. This is for the kids, and so they can sell the, the toys. But uh, if I could get a little, like, one of those size Stay Puft Marshmallow Men for my desk, I'm, I'm in. Um, uh, yeah, there's, like, one in the the blender. There's, uh, there's, um, they're skewering them themselves. They're putting them each other on the barbecue. One uh, gets under, like, some chocolate, and one uses a blowtorch to melt the chocolate over him on a graham cracker. Yeah. Um, I read in the trivia, I didn't see this when I watched the film, but I, I read in the trivia that there's one that, uh, as it's melting, puts up a thumbs up, like in Terminator 2. That was fun. <laughs> I did not see that. Uh, I'm going to go back and look that. for that, because that sounds awesome. Um, uh, Paul Rudd uh, makes a run for it, rounds a corner, and sees one of the terror dogs. Uh, with its head in a bag food, uh, bag of dog food, I think it was. Um, and he's kind of like mortified, paralyzed with fear, standing there. Um, the dog pulls its head out of the uh, the bag, and he starts to say, like, hi, puppy. Uh, and the thing growls at him. And here's one of the more comedic beats for me that I, I laughed way too hard at. It's when he throws the pint of ice cream at it, and you get this nice, like, hollow, like, sound against its head it was yeah. it was great i love the sound effect there um and then he takes off running uh runs out the front of the walmart um and gets into his car fuck i can't believe i forgot one of the most comedic beats of this movie which is after they've released the ghost uh earlier on when he taps the top of the trap and it blows out all the windows he's taking the kids back to the to the farmhouse and uh it's blown out the windshield and podcast has his like elbows up on the dash and is like leaning his head out the front of the windshield uh because the whole windshield's gone and paul rudd picks a piece of glass and like throws it aside uh because the, the the windshield's totally blown out so when he runs out of the walmart to his car he crawls over the hood in through the front windshield of the car um to get in yeah. Terror Dog chases him out, bashes through the front uh, windows of the Walmart, chases him, and gets up on the hood of the car, and we cut there. Now, with this scene, yes. so it's implied that just like in the first movie, yes. um, you know, he gets possessed by the dog. Um, so when I, when earlier you were saying that it felt like Finn Wolfhard didn't have anything to do with like he was nothing he does nothing in this movie I thought the same thing but I was honestly expecting for them to switch it up and like n it not be Paul Rudd and Carrie who become the dogs I was thinking it was going to be Finn and the other girl his coworker girl, I thought it was going to be them that turned into the dogs just because like they're, they're barely in it. And I just kind of like, the only problem, being, like the only problem uh, with that, the only problem with that is that I think like Finn Wolfhard in this movie is supposed to be like 16 or 17. Yeah. Oh, and then it was like a whole, yeah. Okay. What's no. the, there's one ritual that they seem to always perform. Yeah, um, the about. terror dog. So uh, I kind of knew it was going to go the route that it did, just based on that. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you, um, Euphoria 
as a big show as a hit show and that's 50 percent of what that show is about so yeah hmm. that's an so. but that's like an hbo show i think that's like the equivalent yeah. of like an r rating i don't know if I don't know if well, yeah. they're going to be like, hey, check out this kid movie. And it's going to be <laughs> yeah. heavily implied. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah well, that's, so, just what I, that's just what I thought when I was seeing it. I was like, oh, okay. They're going to switch it up. Is Finn going to be the wolf? You know, the there's dog? one thing that I was thinking about. So it wasn't, I wasn't actually thinking about this until this happened. And, and when they cut away, I was like, oh, well, you know, the terror dogs exist in this because they possess people. Uh, to become the terror dogs and then you know act as the gate gatekeeper and the key master um, which we know from the first movie um uh so when this happened I, is when i started to be like oh okay like yeah he's gonna be one of the he's gonna be the the gatekeeper or the key master um but i you know i was listening to something about this i like to listen to like other people's reviews too after after i see a movie and somebody was saying that they swapped up who was the gate master and the key the the gatekeeper and the key master like they flip-flopped it from the original but i don't think that's true because uh later on we'll get to something but she carrie says uh there's no mom only zool uh so she was still zool so i i think the and there's the dress i think they kept it all the same but um we cut back from paul rudd being possessed also paul rudd is kind of our our lewis tully of this movie he's just there for like comedic relief uh especially when he's possessed he's kind of doing his best uh um rick moranis impression and uh rick moranis is the only og that we don't get in this film uh everybody else is in it so yeah i was and I was I was slightly surprised by that, but what I realized is that uh, he announced that he was coming out of retirement to start acting again after this film was already being made. Yeah, and he he wasn't didn't he do something recently that he was in? I think they're doing a sequel to or a reboot of uh, like Honey I Shrunk the Kids, right? Um, maybe I was thinking more if he did like. He was like in a was he like on Saturday Night Live or something like that? Because I feel like just recently he came back to do something and it kind of like, whoa, Rick Moranis is back. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Something like that. He's uh, they're doing pre-production right now for a film just called Shrunk. So I think that's going to be our either sequel or reboot of of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, But the last thing that he did was he was in uh, the Goldbergs TV series. I don't even know what that is. What is Goldbergs? It's like a, it's like a throwback. It's like I want to say it's like a '90s type of yeah TV show. Yeah, it looks like a like a Married with Children like homage. Yeah. 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 So so that was the last thing he was in where he played. He did the voice of Dark Helmet, uh, which is his Spaceballs character, and then before that he wasn't in anything since uh, uh, 2008. Uh, he's just done like little things here and there, but. Um, he uh after the death of his wife he uh announced his retirement from acting to raise his kids and stuff like that so yeah uh yeah um i think he announced that he was returning to to making movies after they had already made this but he's the only one that we don't get in this so um but it's okay because we got paul rudd to do his best rick moranis uh impression and i actually think it's pretty good and a lot of fun um so 
Uh, back at the farmhouse, Carrie finds the hidden lab. She also gets led down by the PKE meter to the lab. Um, and this is where she realizes that uh, Egon had a memory board of her life, like with a bunch of pictures from her as she was growing up. No idea how he got these photos. It was They weren't like spy photos. So maybe like Carrie's mom was sending them to her or something like that. Um, just as she realizes that she's he truly cared about her. Uh, the other demon dog finds her. It, this says demon dog, terror dog, uh, finds her in her lab and possesses her. Um, the kids come home to reveal their discovery to Carrie uh, about the the portal and everything like that. But find, but she's sitting in the chair and she's got glowing red eyes. Uh, they say, "Mom, like what's going on?" And she says, "There's no mom. There's only Zool." But in a much creepier voice. But all I could think of when she did that is uh, when Bill Murray says, "Oh, you have a lovely singing voice," uh, like in the first one when. Um, when we get that line from Dana, where she says, there is no Dana, only Zool. Um, she's very possessed. Uh, she uh, jumps out the window and runs off towards the mine. She finds Paul Rudd, who's uh, laying on the rock uh, outside the mine. Uh, he's already allowed the ghost to start escaping by damaging the auto proton guns. Yeah, so we see that he's, like, bending away the proton guns that are, like, keeping the ghost at bay. Uh, so the, the streams are no longer across, keeping them in the hole. Uh, the two merge energies, and that's in quotations in my little synopsis here, um, because there's a little ritual that we know from the first one where uh, Louis Tully is saying to Dana, like, did we? And she's like, no, no, no. Um, but uh, in this one, it's, uh, I think, a little bit more a positive thing for them because they definitely both wanted to do that. Um, probably not yeah. while being possessed, but uh, they bang. They bang. It's heavily implied. I don't think we see it, but they bang. Um the kids retrieve Ecto-1 from Police Impound with Lucky's help. Uh, they hop in the car. They've hatched a plan. Uh, she takes a cop car, which I apparently you can just fucking do if you're the daughter of the police sheriff. Like, he's gone after that scene, too. Like, I, we don't see the sheriff again. Like, fucking all the adults have disappeared after this. Um, so they just take the Ecto-1 and a cop car from the Police Impound. This is a, There's a funny part in this where they've also impounded the proton gun. Oh, fucking also, when they're um, in the, the holding cell earlier on, before they get bailed out by... Uh, by Carrie and Paul Rudd. Um, uh, the proton pack is on the counter and they said like, we're, we're confiscating this and fucking, you remember where this is going? Cause Phoebe's just like, no, you can't take it. And she like grabs the gun and like aims the proton pack at the cop. Like she's just about to go like one eight seven and fucking murder a cop. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? What are you like? It felt so out of character and so impulsive. And so like, just objectively wrong. This is the only part of the film where I was like, why is she doing that? Yeah, she that was very like <laughs> like very bold of her. Like but then again, maybe he didn't think of it as a um They blow it off. Because he didn't they, know yeah. what, he, what it exactly was. So it's just Yeah. Like, they blow something. They blow it off real quick. Like they're just like, yeah. oh yeah, like kids being kids, trying to do a murder. Yeah, so um, they've impounded the proton pack. So while they're taking the cars, they need to get the the trap and the proton pack and the RC car. It's all behind. Uh, it's all in within a uh, a locked like behind a, a locked gate um, in the uh, impound like evidence locker type thing. Um, but there's a funny line where they're like dumping over boxes and they're like, "We well, can't find the proton pack, but there's a lot of guns." <laughs> they're just like dumping guns out of boxes. Yeah, um, that was pretty funny. It was really good. Um, they can't get to the uh, to the proton pack uh, behind the it, within the, the holding cell, like within the little um, evidence locker. Um, podcast reaches through and hits the button on the trap, releasing Muncher, uh, who chooses his way out of the uh, the the um, 
holding cell, like, or the, the, imp, the well, fucking evidence locker. I don't know why I can't get that right. Chooses way out of the evidence locker and then bails uh, through the wall. Um, and they grab all their shit and hop in the car. Uh, they arrive at the mine. Yeah. I think it would have been funny if, <laughs> if, you know, Muncher just flies straight up and through the ceiling and didn't even need to eat his way like, out. No. And then, and then they're like, oops, well, I guess we have to find a different way. Hey, we're going to have to catch, we're going to have to catch that one again too. Um, there was no point to that. Uh, yeah, so they grab all their shit, they get in the car. They arrive at the mine and witness Carrie and Paul Rudd transforming into the terror dogs, uh, into like the statues. Uh, and, uh, Gozer sitting between them. Um, yeah, we get like like Gozer uh, comes out of the not, like out of the it's because it's the same kind of like steps. I forget exactly what it looks like, but we get Gozer back. And actually, Gozer, do you know who plays Gozer in this? Uh, no. Olivia Wilde. You know who Olivia Wilde is. Um, Olivia Wilde. That sounds you, so familiar. Remember House? She was like oh, the she, brunette. Yeah. Uh, she was also didn't in she, Tron Legacy. Didn't she die? In house, was she the doctor that died? I don't remember her dying, but I know that she had Parkinson's. Oh, maybe she didn't die. Maybe they just wrote her off the show. But yeah, I remember her being in. There. Yeah, she had Parkinson's. It was like a thing that her her mom had, and she knew that she had it, but that she like she hadn't felt like the full effects of it yet. And I remember that was kind of like her battle, like throughout the show. Um, yeah, so she actually plays Gozer, and I didn't even couldn't even tell. I actually like read about that afterwards and i was like oh fuck like i can't even remember what like gozer looked like in it uh i want to go back and watch and see if i can pick up on it being her i actually like low-key like love her as an actor um and tron legacy is a much better film than it gets credit for and she's dope in that and we should do the tron movies at some point because i like them yeah i've um, never seen a tron movie before the first one first one's like very old but it's actually like crazy how much they they like conceptualized the internet and stuff at the time when it was brand new like if you think about it like they're talking about the the internet and the way that things are moving through the through the internet and how information is like being transferred and what it would be like to be inside of like a computer uh like in the 70s and it's like oh fuck like personal computers weren't around till like way later than that so it's um Pretty fascinating stuff, actually. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, just to have that historical perspective. Some of the effects don't hold up and stuff. And, like, the first one's really cheesy. Actually, Tron Legacy is cool. And Tron Legacy has a banger fucking soundtrack with uh, Daft Punk um, doing all the music on there. So, really, really, really good songs. Like, you can, like, that's the only, like, only, like, OST from, like, a movie that, like, I will, like, low-key, like, play all the way through and enjoy. Um, so, uh... We get Gozer back. Uh, Phoebe steps out from hiding behind a rock. Um, they park the Ecto-1 behind a rock, uh, like outside the mine. And Phoebe steps out from hiding uh, to talk and distract Gozer. She tells Gozer some jokes. This is when we get the whole, like, uh, there's two whales in a bar. And one goes, oh, and the other one says, go home, you're drunk. And what do you call a fish with no eyes? It's a fish. And uh, she tells jokes. And... Um, doesn't Gozer ask a question here? It's like, oh, are, like, are you prepared to die? And she goes, no, I'm 12. Are you? And then they uh, do something here. What do they do? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, oh, oh um, uh, podcast controls the RC trap car under the uh, one of the terror dogs uh, possessing Carrie. Oh, yeah. And they they capture the the um, they capture 
the ghost and Carrie is no longer possessed, uh, they run to the Ecto-1 and they escape and they're driving back towards home to enact Egon's trap. Um, they blaze through the cornfields all the way back home. Um, and Paul Rudd, still possessed in dog form, chases after them. They make their way to the farmhouse and attempt the same trap as Egon. Carrie and Phoebe stand on the porch holding the ghost trap with the demon dog with the demon dog in it that uh, Gozer needs to become fully resurrected. And this was a really cool thing is that, like, because they captured one of the terror dogs, uh, Gozer's just, like, half like half materialized like she's not her full yeah. form i thought that was kind of a cool thing of like she needs both the dogs to be her full form um yeah, I, I thought that was really cool gozer kind appears of out of the corner yeah, yeah 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 it was cool and and also the design of gozer was cool right like with the kind of like scaly kind of like crystally yeah. skull like skin stuff yeah i thought that was nice um gozer appears out of the cornfield uh and Phoebe tries to turn on the traps, but they fail again, just as they did the first time with Egon. Uh, just as Gozer, um, so they also like have a plan to like blast her with the the proton packs, and they and they do. Um, like Lucky shows up, and I think she blasts her from the porch, and then uh, Finn Finn tryhard tries to uh, uh, blast her with the, the other proton pack from the um, from the gunner seat, but it doesn't fire. And it's because there's a bunch of fucking, like, Stay Puft Marshmallow guys inside of it, like, fucking with it, like gremlins. And um, so the trap doesn't work exactly right, uh, and Gozer... Which, I was confused yeah. on why they were even there, how they even get there. Who? The Stay Puft Mar- Oh, yeah. Yeah. The plot. The plot yeah. needed something to fuck the, the pack up, I guess, and... Yeah. That's what they decided on. I don't know. Yeah, I was like, all right, those are good there now. All right. Um... Yeah, so uh, uh, Gozer and Phoebe, uh, like Phoebe blasts the proton pack at Gozer. Um, I don't know how she gets it. Does she get it? Oh, because Lucky gets um, Lucky gets possessed at some point. I think that's I think that's in here, um, because they do release the trap or something, and like the demon dog. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, Gozer grabs the trap and snaps it in half and it releases the ghost and uh, it takes over Gozer's, uh, it takes over uh, Lucky, uh, possesses Lucky and turns her into a terror dog. Um, yeah. uh, Phoebe grabs the pack and in a ditch effort tries to blast Gozer. Gozer's using her lightning uh, and then we get that like Harry Potter like battle of like the magic like wands, you know, like beams colliding and it like moving back and forth um but gozer starts to overpower phoebe and just when phoebe is about to give in we see her hand shaking and then fucking the, one of the most hype movie moments ever um we see a hand a ghost hand appear and stabilize her hand in her battle against gozer uh she looks up to see the ghost of egon looking down at her and they are uh you know she's she's steadied by that. Um, can I uh, just say? Can I just say? Yeah. I don't. I don't like that. I mean, I get the movie is directed by uh, his son, right? Uh-huh. I can't. Okay. Wait, so okay. Can we? Can we? Hang on. Just one second here, actually, because I okay, screwed. Okay. I screwed that up. Actually, I think that she's okay. she's she's doing the beam thing with with gozer and uh the next note that i have is actually um we hear from behind uh like as she's 
you know, starting to lose this fight, we hear, hey, flat top. And it's all of the OG Ghostbusters, Peter Venkman, Winston Zeddemore, and Ray Stans. Um, uh, we get Ray Stans goes, the three original Ghostbusters, they cross the streams and they fire goes right. But we before that, we get Ray uh, saying, you know, uh, by the county of blah, 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 the state of Oklahoma and the, you know, whatever, we order you to, to find your nearest... Uh, parallel universe blah blah gives her the whole speech uh and uh uh peter says bravo she says are you a god um uh and they all look at like ray like it's time to get this right and i think he says yes we're all gods here which is actually kind of dumb i think that just them being like you prepared for this like would have been great um and you know him him not knowing what to say would be funny um i don't really love the way they did it but um she appears to be subdued, but then begins uncrossing the beams. Uh, so they, they cross the streams and try to do the protonic reversal on her. Um, she's too strong. She pulls the part, the beams apart uh, and blasts the Ghostbusters back, causing them to fall down. Gozer approaches them as Peter jokingly complains about the inherent troubles in their relationship. Um, he's saying, you know, I thought this would work out. I, I kind of wish that Gozer, like, recognized them because it doesn't seem like they make a joke that, like, I think she recognizes us. Um but there's no indication from Gozer. Like, I kind of wish that, like, when... Maybe when Phoebe showed up, like, that she recognized the, the logo or something like that. Or, you know... But we don't get anything like that. It's kind of unfortunate. Uh, just as she reaches them, she's again captured by a soul proton beam. This time it's Phoebe whose aim is being guided by the ghost of Egon. Um, where he kind of steadies her hand. Um, this is the first time the image is revealed to the audience. So... Now we can get into this because this is, I think, going to be the most controversial thing about this movie. And as deepfakes become more of a widespread thing and we can kind of CG it, like, it doesn't even look bad in this movie. And, like, I feel like they did a bad job with uh, with Carrie Fisher in the Star Wars movie. But should people's likeness be able to be used after no. they're dead? I don't you say no? so. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. It feels icky. And like I was saying, I get that his son did it. His son made the movie. So I guess that's now, just as close as like. Now, okay, you, you, see, you cool. say his son, you say his son did it. I want to be clear. Jason Reitman is the director, the son of yes. Ivan Reitman, the original director. This is not the son of Harold Ramis, who, oh, is, I am who has died. But I, I feel like, I feel like either way, I feel like that is, I feel like that's, good enough i feel like i feel like it's okay just because like he was in he's just like a part of that group and he would know better right just to me i just don't like it i didn't like it when they did the carrie fisher i didn't like it when they did to um tarkin didn't like it when he did the paul rudd like i do not like it at all i think it's very icky they did it to paul rudd yeah on the the last, um, the last uh, Fast and Furious movie that he's in. Oh, oh no, 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 um, not Paul, not Paul Rudd. Uh, Paul I mean, Walker. Paul Walker. Sorry. Yes. Paul yeah. Walker. When they yeah. did it to Paul Walker, didn't like yeah. it. Um, yeah, I just don't like when they do that kind of stuff. I mean, now just, when it was Paul Walker, it was actually his brother that they used for like a, a body double. Yeah, and then they like CG'd his face on there. On yeah, his I think so. Face, yeah, I believe which, so still i didn't like it icky um, so yeah. so i'm of two minds about it because on the one the one hand deep fakes freak me out like because 
like I remember seeing a, a Tom Cruise um, like campaign uh, trailer thing, like campaign commercial where it was like Tom Cruise is running for president. And it was a really fucking good deep fake. I was like, what am I watching here until I figured it out? Deepfakes freak me out because they're getting so good that I'm worried that they could be used for nefarious purposes and we're we're quickly approaching a world where we don't know what to believe, you know? And I worry about the power of that. Um, so seeing stuff like this is kind of normalizing that and it makes me feel icky. I get it from that standpoint. Um, now, the other standpoint, the other hand for me is that uh, Harold Ramis's family was given like a private screening of this film. Um, I hope that they were consulted with before this. I don't think you should be able to use anybody's likeness if they're dead, just willy nilly. I would like to see the like the rights to that go to the family. And I mean, yeah, I, I think that. I, I don't know. I don't know how Harold Ramis would feel about it. Personally, if yeah. personally if it was me, I'd be like, I'm dead. I don't care. Do you you know, do what you like. Uh, if it benefits my family, that's probably the best that can come of it. But yeah. Even then, I still don't. Not even. I don't. Just don't do it at all. Just let them be gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. then like, yeah, okay, the family okayed it. Blah 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 blah. That's cool. But then like down the line that's going to be we're going to have more of the like uh the when kanye west got kim kardashian for one one of her birthdays i think it was last year the year before he did the hologram of her dad which is that'd be creepy but yeah it's very creepy and Uh like then like in 10 years like how like how far away are we from like people you know doing that hologram cgi deep fake stuff for celebrities and having them have a cameo saying you know hey here you know buy this cameo of freaking some dead some dead actor telling you happy birthday you know i don't like it it's a slippery slope well i I was gonna go like what if at some point this is advanced enough and in 2025 they're like fucking come check out Tommy Boy 2. We did it. We brought back Chris Farley. Did the whole fucking movie with Chris Farley deep faked and it looks it looks indistinguishable and then you could just like do whatever you want to a person after they're dead because you can basically perfectly mimic them. It's a scary it's a scary thing. I, I think this is going to be a big issue in the future and I, I don't know how to regulate it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't even like begin to like work out like how you would stop this. Yeah, it would just have to be like in your will, like everybody. It would just have to be like a freaking clause in your will, like. And maybe we start. Maybe we start to see people's image as like a right, like a property right, like a copyright thing, like where it's like you you actually make it illegal to to do these kind of deep fakes because because it is dangerous and you're basically infringing on somebody's brand. Yeah. I could yeah. Didn't they do that with um Bruce Lee? Didn't they have like a commercial they put Bruce Lee in like yeah. I want to say like a couple years after he died and they just put him in like like cut a commercial for him, you know, cut pieces of a uh, movies and stuff together and did a commercial. Like, yeah. I don't know. 
maybe I could see that maybe maybe you can do it with their voice. I think I'd yeah. be fine with that. Like mocap, I mean not mocap, just dub over and have AI, you know, generated, you know, voice that sounds just like them. Yeah. And that I would be fine with. Sure. But you're t- you're but, telling me you're, you're telling me not down to like go to like a uh, fucking doubleheader, Tupac and Biggie live show because they've deep faked and used holograms. You're not you're not here for this. No, I didn't like it when they did the Tupac <laughs> when, they, when they first did the Tupac thing. I didn't at, like it at now, uh, it, Coachella or whatever. Yeah. So like, if it's if they now if it's like. Like if it's like a Michael Jackson thing and they're just like, this is the same show he did in Paris or whatever. This is the exact same show, except we just made it a hologram on the stage. And so it looks like he's actually up there. Maybe that's fine. But like making something new with someone's likeness. No, I don't like that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You don't like that you can kind of just puppet these people after they're dead and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, I just worry about like, what if somebody were to do a, a deep fake of like the president and put it out there and people believed it to be real? Like that's powerful and scary. So, yeah, I mean, we'll how many times have there been like, you know, tweets from people that were <laughs> completely faked in Photoshop that people just ran? Yeah, with, you know? yeah, like, yeah. Or, or hacked, like when uh, everybody in the world got hacked and uh, uh, were telling people to send them like $1,200 for like Bitcoin yeah. or whatever. Like that yeah. that's a recent thing that happened for real. And I think that probably people were dumb enough to do it. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so greater grander implications aside, like I am worried about the, the deep fake thing. In this case, as long as Egon's uh, or not Egon, Harold Ramis's family was okay with the portrayal, I'm okay with it for this for the sake of this. I do think that they made like a kick-ass tribute, and it wasn't insensitive to me. They they didn't have him talk, which I think is the most important thing because I was worried that they were gonna fuck it up with that. Um, but just to use his his likeness, I think was I thought it was really touching. Like I I liked it. I teared up. I liked it, and I I yeah. I'm kind of of two minds about it, but I liked it. I like the way they did it here. Yeah. Um, um, and actually, the yeah. the actual body person for it was um, Bob Gunton from uh, he was the warden in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. So he actually did like the body, and then they just put um, you know Egon's face over it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, the other three Ghostbusters jump up and they join the battle by firing their beams as well. Uh, while they're on the ground, I think we get a line of like, Bill Murray's like, I don't remember it hurting this much. And Winston's like, I do, uh, which was kind of funny. But uh, the, the three Ghostbusters jump up. They bat- join the battle by firing their beams as well with the combined force of four beams. Once again, Gozer is suppressed but not captured. Trevor emerges from Ecto-1 and fires his uh, proton pack at the electrical towers that are off to the side. The burst of energy fires them up and activates all the traps under the dirt field. Gozer and the demon dogs are all this says destroyed, but they're captured. Uh, the three living Ghostbusters stare in amazement at the sight of the ghost of their fallen comrade. They watch as he says goodbye, to, and uh, he fixes Phoebe's glasses uh, that are identical to his and gives Carrie a hug, um, and his form fades away and dissipates in the night sky. Night sky. As we pan up, we see uh, uh, 
a little tribute message that says for Harold. Um, uh, yeah, Lucky and Paul Rudd uh, break free of the 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 dog carcasses things, and Winston says he's going to f- fix up Ecto One. Uh, we get an overhead shot of Ecto One driving through. Uh, New York City. It's back in New York City with the emergency lights on. And then we get the hero credits. I'm watching the hero credits. I actually, the first thing I do after every movie is I get on my phone and I go to uh, like what's after the credits.com or something like that. See if I got to sit through any credits. Uh, after the hero credits, um, uh, at the end of it, it says with Sigourney Weaver. And then we get a scene where her and Bill Murray, uh, Peter Venkman, Dana Barrett, uh, Dana Barrett Venkman, because they're married. Um, uh, she's playing the same game with him that he was playing at the start of one where she's holding up the cards and asking him what's on them. Uh, he gets the first one right and uh, he he explains, you know, I used to do this with students and I would just always shock the guy and not the girl and she, she shocks him for that and then he uh, guesses the next one right and she... Uh, says, did you mark these? And he's like, yeah, I marked them. <laughs> and then she shocks him again. It's kind of cute. Um, yeah. And then we get the, the real credits. Credits go by, and then we get one more scene at the end where uh looks like it's old footage uh, where uh, Annie Potts, Janine Malnitz's character, you know, Annie Potts's character, Janine Malnitz, uh, hands Egon a coin and says, it's my lucky coin, I've got another one at home. We cut to the present time where... Uh, um, She's holding the same coin, and she's sitting down with Winston Zeddemore. He talks about uh, building a fortune, um, building a company for his family, blah, 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 um, and being able to give back, and that's what he plans to, to do. Um, this scene was kind of vague. I don't I don't remember too much of it. I don't have any notes on it, but um, uh, he, he does talk about like doing it all for his family and stuff like that. Uh, and then we cut over to him at the uh, the the old Ghostbusters HQ, and uh, it's a it's a wreck. Um, and I think they pulled the Ghostbusters car into it. He put, puts his hand on the uh, the fender. I think the same way that uh, same way they do in the first film, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, he commits to, to to fixing up the Ecto One. And uh, I think we get a tease here that um, maybe he's going to be bankrolling a new Ghostbusters. Uh, 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 Ghostbusters firm, uh, you know, funding the business again. Uh, and yeah. then I think the last shot that we see is the uh, the storage facility. And do you remember the line from the first one? Because I remember when he first gets the job and they're down there and, and uh, I think it's Ray is explaining everything to him. He says, if it's green, you're good, basically. But we see the light is flashing red. Yeah, I don't remember. Because uh, honestly, I didn't see the the final end scene. So this oh, is all new to me. this is all new. Okay, let me find this real quick. Uh, uh, let me see what I can find real quick. Doing a quick googly googly. Um, let's see. Let's see. Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, post credit scene. Um, let's go to Reddit for it. Reddit's always got the good good. Uh, I think this is the best scene in the whole series for short character development. Winston was so much more than shown in the original. It's just love this man, smilers. Uh, 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 let's see. Maybe Reddit was not the best because they're just comments. So let's see. Post credit scene explained. Um, uh, 
mid-credit scene. What happens in the Ghostbusters afterlife post-credit scene? Sequence after the credits is an interesting one. First, there's a brief scene. I'm pulling from uh, Polygon for this article, Ghostbusters afterlife post-credit scene. Uh, the sequence after the credits end, end is an interesting one. First, there's a brief scene where Egon in the 1980s is headed off to fight Gozer, and Janine offers him a lucky coin to take with him. There isn't much to that sequence. It's a deleted scene from the 1984 movie, including an Easter egg, but without much me- meaning for the rest of the film. After a jump back to the present day, Janine appears to be interviewing Winston about the uh, about what he's been up to since the 1980s. The audience already knows from Ray's recap earlier in the film that Winston struck out on his own and became a highly successful businessman, but... The film doesn't give him much material of his own. While Bill Murray and Peter go, uh, Bill Murray as Peter gets to ramble out a goofy monologue and crack jokes about uh, Gozer and Ray as solemn and sincere as ever, Winston is mostly stuck off to the side, moaning at the condition of their old Ectomobile, uh, Ectomobile, Ecto One, and promising to get it fixed up. But in the post-credit scene, Winston finally gets a little time to shine as something other than the fourth-billed man in the three-man team. He explains his initiatives and motives to Janine. I wanted to be an example of what's possible. He talks about his thriving global enterprises and how he's secretly been supporting Ray and Peter. Oh, yeah, he says in the scene that uh, he, she said, are you still paying the rent for Ray's occult bookshop? And he says, yeah, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, uh, Peter went back. They mentioned, uh, Ray mentions on the phone with Phoebe that uh, Peter went back to academia, which is funny because Peter was never really that academic um in his yeah, in his like, uh, oh. yeah so i thought that was funny um uh, but i think they said that he's a marketing guy or something like that which makes way more sense um they uh uh who are uh, so he's been supporting ray and peter who are less in less lucrative solution or situations uh he says i may be winston says i may be a businessman but i will always be a ghostbuster um it's a nice moment of payoff for the actor Ernie Hudson, who has occasionally been frustrated by the ways of Winston, uh, by the ways Winston was sidelined in the movies. He famously signed onto the script and gave Winston a bigger role and a backstory, which would end up being cut. Um, he often noted in interviews uh, uh, that Winston doesn't appear on the movie poster and wasn't a part of the publicity run for the movie. He said that he took the role expecting it to help his career and instead he had trouble finding work afterwards so the sequence feels like payoff for Winston. Okay, that didn't tell me anything about what the fucking scene means. Uh, in a solo shot after talking to Janine, Winston re-enters the Ghostbusters old firehouse headquarters which Ray said earlier in the film had been sold off long ago. Yeah, Ray, this contradicts something that Ray says on the phone with Phoebe where he... Um, says that the, the Ghostbusters HQ is a Starbucks now. And apparently that's a joke, because it's not. Um, but it's not played like a joke in the film. I, I feel like this is some retconning. Yeah, I thought it was... When he said it, I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. He didn't say it like as a joke. No, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's weird. <laughs> um, uh, when the Ghostbusters shop making money that it got sold off, Winston has clearly purchased the place for nostalgic reasons, the same reasons that power uh, that power the rest of the movie. And he looks around it with the exact same satisfaction of Ray looking around Tatooine at the end of Star Wars Episode uh, 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Is that 9? Yeah, 9. Yeah. Um, with the exact same sense that he's there to make fans happy. Okay, what the fuck, dude? Get to it. Where's the point of this article? Uh, but then Reitman's camera wanders off to the side, finding Ghostbusters' old Ecto containment system, the laser grid unit that contained all the ghosts that they trapped until an EPA lawyer played by William Atherton, it's true this man has no dick guy, from the first movie, had it shut down and they all escaped. There's a single ominous red flashing light on the system indicating something is wrong in the post credit scene 
on that promise of a threat to come. Uh, never mind that the containment system was in the basement on a small side room of the basement upstairs rather than in the garage. This point is something interesting that seems to be happening. Okay. So that doesn't really tell us much. It just means that something's wrong. Yeah. Just sorry. Very, sorry, I read a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, it's a very um scene that's not gonna pay off in any way in the next movie. <laughs> it's just like oh. hey, something's blinking. There might oh. be a number two. Uh, either know. either it pays off big time and we get a sequel and that's the setup for the sequel is that we could start right we could start right there in the next movie with with him in the garage and seeing the red blinking light and saying like oh no something's wrong but it doesn't seem like that's been in use so we could pick it up right there and it could and it could launch a, another franchise i think that that was a tease for uh a sequel to get people excited for a sequel um and to potentially get a, a sequel greenlit. And if a sequel never gets greenlit, it's just a, a throwaway thing that was, you know, kind of interesting and, and just builds out the world, uh, world a little bit more. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. I mean, fingers crossed and fingers crossed that uh, all these years later, Ernie Hudson gets to star in a Ghostbusters film and is actually the focal point of one of these because I kind of feel like he deserves it. Yeah. Um, so if they do bring it back... Is it going to be in New York? Did like Finn and all the rest of them? Did they move to New York too? Or I, I, I mean, personally, that's the way I'd like to see it go. I feel like there's no more reason for them to be in Somerville, Oklahoma, or whatever it's called. Um, so I think that the logical step is that yeah, maybe he starts. You know, um, what I think is funny is that the uh, I noticed it in the beginning of this one because I haven't seen 2016's Ghostbusters yet there we go um but i guess that one they started a production company called ghost core uh and that ghost core is was going to be the production company behind a franchise of new ghostbusters films that were scrapped after 2016's ghostbusters but it seems like they're giving it another go with this one um i would love to see you know winston maybe start like ghostbusters international and maybe we get Ghostbusters movies that kind of travel around or something like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe expand this world a little bit. Uh, and Somerville is kind of the start of it, but maybe, you know, maybe we cut forward a few years and Phoebe's more grown up and she's, you know, heading up a Ghostbusters team or something like that. We could we could go places with this, so. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if they do do this, uh -huh. I hope... I'd rather I'd rather it be a TV show, really, because I feel like if it's I don't know I feel like if it's Ghostbusters, they're gonna try to milk it, and then it's gonna be it's only gonna go down. So I think if they were to do it as a TV show, I could see them doing like a live action TV show with Ernie Hudson as like you know the Nick Fury, and you know running the show and sending kids out. Well, not kids, but sending people out and busting ghosts all over the, the you know, the country or, you know, whatever like that. And then, you know, I could see that. Whereas be like small procedural episodes and then like one overarching, you know, story for the whole season. I could. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't mind that if it was a TV show rather than a movie. I think actually, yeah, I think it would. I think it would lend itself well to that. Um, I would actually love to see like a you know, five part, five part episode like mini series or something like that. But I don't know. 
these are kind of fun, you know, quick two-hour movies. So I could also see it going that way. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, I, uh, let me check. Now that it's Monday, what was the, the Ghostbusters box office? And uh, where does that rank uh, for the year? Which, obviously, it's a weird year because we were kind of still half covid and stuff like that. And um, uh, Ghostbusters starts strong uh, with $44 million. Uh, collecting $44 million from the 4,300 venues. Uh, uh, the better-than-expected result is an encouraging sign that family audiences are willing to visit their local multiplex. Um, this, of course, film uh, released only in theaters, not on any HBO or anything like that, any uh, streaming services. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it earned $16 million from 31 overseas markets, pushing it worldwide to $60 million. Uh, directed by Jason Reitman, the latest installment. I'm trying to see if we could get down to uh, what it costs to make, but I don't know. Um, the all-female reboot of Ghostbusters premiered at $46 million, only $2 million more than Afterlife. And that was in a time when movies were, theaters were wide open. Yeah, I can get that, yeah. Uh, it's received uh, mostly positive feedback. And I, I was looking at the, the, uh, the Rotten Tomatoes earlier. Uh, 62% uh, from critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 96% of audience uh, reviews. I, I, I side more with the audience on this side because I think it's great. Yeah, I, uh, like I said at the beginning, it was, I'm just, it was okay, but I'm not going to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, you know, if it's on, if I'm scrolling and it's on Showtime or HBO, then yeah, I'll, I might just click on it to see where it's at. And if it's, you know, I don't know, but I'm not going to actively seek it out and watch it when we, when it comes on streaming or whatever like that, you know? Yeah. Oh, apparently that, uh, despite rapturous reviews of an Oscar post of Warner Bros release, King Richard became the latest adult oriented drama to crumble at the box office. Oh man. That's the Will Smith film about the, the Venus and Serena Williams. Apparently that's yeah. not doing, apparently that's not doing well. Granted, I'm not dying to go see it in theaters, but I might, I will definitely watch it if it hits uh, Netflix. So, um, and then that Resident Evil Raccoon, uh, Welcome to Raccoon City film came out. I am imagining that's going to be terrible, but I want it to be good. Yeah. Uh, what else came out this week? Uh, sounds like. Uh, oh, uh, next weekend's offerings: Disney Musical Encanto comes out. Uh, MGM star-studded House of Gucci. I think House of Gucci is out. I want to say. But or actually, this is all next week. So yeah, Encanto, House of Gucci, and Resident Evil are all next week. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, Marvel's Eternals, uh, No No Time to Die. That stuff's all in in theaters right now. And then that King Richard film. I don't know if anything else came out this week, but that's so far what I've got. Um, but I hope that uh, Afterlife crushes it at the box office because I feel like I I really like this film. I would like to see more of these. So. That's what I think yeah. should happen. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure people. I'm pretty sure it'll be. It'll do okay, but there'll probably be a lot of people, the hardcore fans that just like, you know, uh, hardcore Ghostbusters fans who are gonna just shit all over it just because you know, and yeah, that might. Hopefully, that doesn't impact it too much, but you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's the ninth best film opening of the year at least one of the films on that list is not going to reach 100 million halloween kills and one appears to be 
just barely touch it with uh, Dune. So, yeah, I guess it's not doing too bad when compared to those things. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I think that's about it for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I do quickly want to do our rankings again. I, 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 I left the film yesterday and I said, this is amazing. This is my number one. And I was like, but let me think on it because usually I'm pretty high on movies and then I kind of think on think about them and then I come down. And uh, I don't think I've come down on this movie at all. I think that it's still my number one. So I think that my ranking is going to be Ghostbusters Afterlife, Ghostbusters 1984, Ghostbusters 2, and then we've got one more film going in there, which I imagine is going to go right to the bottom. But I'm going to keep an open mind with uh, when we watch Ghostbusters 2016 next week. Yeah, and I'd probably I'd put... Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters 1, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Damn. And yeah. And just because I, I, I okay. Uh, let me revise that. Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Ghostbusters 1. Because the first Ghostbusters, I would probably, even though I just said I wouldn't, but I would probably watch um, Ghostbusters Afterlife before I watched Ghostbusters 1 again. Just it's just was it my jam? Uh, yeah, I am a Ghostbusters two boy, and I will die on that hill. Ghostbusters one is is a fantastic film, but I don't think there's much like it's a, not enough happens. I don't feel like it's a good throw it on movie because it's a lot of a lot of it is them talking and it's an origin story, and I feel like the one that you're gonna throw on in the background just to like have shit happening on TV. I think it's Ghostbusters Afterlife for me. Uh, and I know that you have a lot of nostalgia for Ghostbusters too, so that's probably still yours. But yeah, I think that if I just want to like throw something on and have you know action that I could kind of drop in and pick up what's happening at the time, I think Ghostbusters Afterlife. And it's, I don't know, it was the one that got me the most hype. It was the one that I was just like all about. I mean, it's the only one I saw in theaters, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I, but I do think that this had like good action, good characters, comedy and uh some touching moments in there so i really like this one yeah i mean it's a wholesome movie um kids kids will love it um so i don't know i don't really have too much to say about it fingers well we've talked for two and a half hours about it so i think we're i think we've covered it really oh my gosh these are getting longer and longer (laughs) yeah yeah all right well with that, we should get out of here. Um, we'll be back next week to do Ghostbusters 2016, um, which should be super fun to talk about from what I know of it. And uh, and yeah, and then after that, we're going into the Matrix franchise, uh, building up towards Matrix Resurrections, which I also don't think is going to be very good, but we'll see. Fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make sure to go follow us on our socials. Link will be in description. Um, so go do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jedi Ash underscore on Twitch. That's the only one I, I really want to push because uh, it all it links back to the Discord and you can come hang out with us and you can chat about the podcast in the Discord. So go do that. Yeah, I'll put a link in the Discord too. I mean, I'll put a link to I'll put a link in the description to the Discord. Wow. Perfect. All right, stacks. Until next week. Have a good one. Okay. Bye. Bye.